0: and it's a, a, a opponent that should be even more overmatched than Lenore Ryan was 12 months prior you know you and you see the same type of start it's hard not to just jump to the conclusion of like well this is gonna be miserable again like we're, we're right back where we were and I think I mean you saw the reaction on on social media then even I did even, even when the team settled down and they go into the locker room on, on a 24 to, to one run it almost kind of felt like the damage had already been done that, that like people were you know well this is it, clearly we're gonna have the same issues. Twelve turnovers in the first twelve minutes of this game, and we finished with twenty-two turnovers. Like you said, we turned the ball over the first three possessions of both halves. It just felt like, it like after that start, didn't matter how much they were going to win by. It was you—you'd already planted that seed of not enough has changed moving forward. Now they have a chance to rewrite that script a little bit in ten days when they—they they take the court again. But I—I I think that if they'd had that stretch in like the middle part of the game, it would have been a little bit less of a talking point than it was for the fan base
1: yeah it was just such a jarring reaction because all the talking points yes on paper the team is going to be a lot more talent which when they were operating at their peak efficiency that did look like a team that like when you just look at them they look like they have more talent than last year's team but then like you said they come out just so flat and like i said it looked like the it was the same issues that last year's team did Amplified times 10 yeah. because they were turning it over as, at an even higher rate against a team they had no business being even remotely competitive with over the first 15 minutes. And so it, it, it it's hard not to have any sort of adverse reaction because of how just unprepared they looked, especially since I think it was Mike James who said the day before in like the pregame press or exhibition press or whatever, saying like, oh yeah, we should win this pretty handily which I mean yeah he's he's not wrong they should win it pretty handily but surely they're not not already getting complacent for a freaking exhibition I mean I would hope not
0: it it reminded me a little bit of the when I think it was Jalen Withers when when the team was I think they were 0 and six and they lost the game to to Lipscomb and he was like, yeah, maybe we were overlooking them a little bit. And I was yeah. like, you were underdogs in the game, and you haven't won at all this year. I'm like, how could you possibly come out and say that? It was, you know, last year's team, just the mind-boggling things that kept happening, the things that kept coming out of their mouths. I was like, do you guys not understand? And that was the thing that really, really frustrated me about the the reaction to the Lenore Ryan game a year ago, was you had Kenny Payne and the players coming out and being like, we needed this. And I think that was the, the first line of Kenny Payne's first post-game press conference where he's like, we needed this. Like we needed to wake the team up, and I was like, "We th- last year's team had the lowest preseason expectations of any Louisville team in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Like they, they had been picked quite literally lower in any conference preseason poll than any Cardinal team before them. You've got no votes in the top twenty-five poll. You got all these people talking about how you're going to finish around five hundred or below five hundred. You shouldn't need added motivation at a place like Louisville. You shouldn't need a wake-up call if you want you know, locker room." material, bulletin board material, you had 7,000 different articles and, and, and lines to choose from that you could have posted anywhere across the locker room. They shouldn't have needed a wake-up call, and the fact that they that, you know, they all were like, oh, well, we needed this after the first exhibition game was a huge red flag for me, and, and it wound up being the case. I, I mean, Mike James is right when you look at Simmons College and you look, look at, again, like you said, they don't even play in the NCAA. It's the National Christian Colleges Association, and it's the Division 2 of the National right. Christian Colleges uh, Athletic Association. Like, that is a level of, of of basketball that is not at all comparable to, I mean, even like D three. I mean, mail could probably take them on. We we and had not we a had joke. this discussion. We had this discussion on on, on Thursday where Scoots was like, "Do you think a, a better high school team could give that team a game?" And I was like, "No, yeah, yeah." I tend to dismiss those, but if, if we're talking like locally, maybe. But nationally, absolutely. Like, you know, that that's a group. When you look at that roster, it's a lot of local kids who were not all region caliber players. It's a lot of guys that were hey, I was the second leading scorer at, at Valley, and I'm, I'm I'm playing college basketball now. That's, that's who that team mm-hmm. was, and they should not be competitive with a team like Louisville. And granted, in the end, they were not. It, it was a 41-point victory, right. but there shouldn't have even been any of those anxious moments early on where people are saying, oh my God, Scream 2, it's happening again. And it looks kind of like it
1: did last year where a lot of these turnovers are just totally unforced. Now,
0: again, it's October 18th. We we can take it for what it's worth.
1: Yeah, if there's going to be any anxious moments, you would think that stretch would maybe last the first two or three on-court minutes of the game before they start, you know, getting the the shaking the rust off, getting all the the nervousness and anxiousness out of their system. Not the first, what, 15, 16 minutes of the game where they couldn't do anything right on either end of the court. I mean, that, that, like you said, you shouldn't need to have a ton of motivation in a place like, well, especially coming off a season that was legitimately the worst in program history. I mean, that's all the motivation you need. It doesn't matter who you're facing, whether it be Duke, Kentucky, Simmons, a high school here, like you you shouldn't need to be motivated after having to go through what the program went through last season. You should be ready to get going from the jump. And the fact that it took them nearly an entire half of basketball to get things going was pretty concerning. What's your take on the,
0: I hate to use the word because I think that every little fan kind of cringes a little bit. But the platooning, the, the, you know, we saw a starting unit of five. We saw a second unit of five. It, it looked like he was asking those two different units to do two different things. The second unit came in and was more aggressive defensively, did a little full court pressing, played a little bit more tempo. I, I, I mean, I can't imagine that that's going to be something that we no. see in the actual season. But I was surprised to even see it in the exhibition game.
1: I wasn't completely surprised because, again, we go back to the bulletin point that Simmons College was a team that should not be competitive with Louisville in any sense of the word. So if you're going to have any game where you kind of tinker with lineups, tinker with potential lineups, see how certain players perform with other players on the floor, how certain lineup combinations fare, I mean, this is going to be the game to do it. And by all means, I mean, Kenny Payne did that. I mean, all, I think, 13 guys who were healthy, they played and not, I think, like, what, 10 players played double digit minutes and no one played longer than 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, Trey White, I mean, we you and I can both agree that Trey's probably going to be a starter by the time the, the regular season rolls around.
0: I would guess he's going to be a leading scorer. He, would be my assignment. Right.
1: He played 16 minutes. Right. I cannot imagine him playing less than 30 in any game. So so I don't look too far into it. I I don't know about when Kenny Payne says that he doesn't have a starting five pencil out yet i think he's got something in his mind but he still wants to see how certain players play with another and trying to hammer out rotations once the season starts but I, I cannot see him actually doing this whole platooning method and having this 10 starters mindset by the time the regular season rolls around i just can't see him doing that
2: i
0: i think it's really weird and this isn't meant to be like in because again there's a lot of time we played the we played the first exhibition game of anybody in division one and the earliest exhibition game we've ever played as a program by eight full days. So you can change things. I-, I think it's really weird that he hasn't played Trey White and Sky Clark together at all. in Practice, exhibition game, and he said, like, I- I'm not doing it, I'm-, I'm putting them on opposite teams. Those are, by most accounts, your two best players and your two leaders going into the season. I think mm-hmm. most people have that projected to be Louisville starting backcourt. They're gonna have to play together at some point. Like I, I just I don't I don't get the, the logic behind not doing it at all. Like if you want to keep them separate for, to to learn various things. I mean whatever the the, his uh, his rationale is. At some point, like they're gonna have to find a rhythm together. And you know, look, I mean, we have a little bit of time here, but we it's two and a half weeks until the first game, mm-hmm. let's let's get that chemistry going.
1: Here. Especially when you throw uh, Mike uh, Mike James in the mix. I can't remember when he said this. I can't remember if it was after the exhibition or if it was in one of the pressures that was just ahead of it. But he said that with the trio of Sky Clark, Trey White, and Mike James, something that he was doing a lot in practice was having them go two-on-one, like going back and forth, two on offense, one on defense, or two on defense, one on offense, and just seeing how they feed off of each other, which I – I, I get, but it seemed like that was some, the way that he said it, it. Seemed like that's something they were almost exclusively doing with that trio. Which I mean, that's probably going to be three of your three pieces of your starting five right there. Because that those are probably the three best players or, or most capable starting players right this second. So not running any practice like consistent practice sets or not getting them any consistent run in the exhibition when the, when those three guys are all on the court that strikes me as a little bit odd now maybe they're doing something behind the scenes with those three that we have no idea is is going on i mean we're we're not in practice every day i mean we're not even allowed to practice in like every day because everything is kind of hush hush behind the scenes but i digress so maybe they are doing something but at face value when i look at this I, i can't help but think like like i hope he knows what he's doing which i mean if i'm being honest i'm not 100% sure he does know what he's completely doing at this point. But, you know, he's got an entire season to prove a lot of people who have doubts about this wrong.
0: I'll, I'm with you in, in thinking, like, it's fine to do this as a you – know, the two-on-one stuff and keeping White and Clark on opposite teams it, it, it is fine if we're talking about it being, I don't know, a, a day or two where you're trying to get something specific out of that practice. But to not have them play together at all, it, it just seemed – he's like, you know, he, he'd said that early in the preseason and then he got asked the question at the – the press conference on Tuesday before the game, and he's like, "No, I have I haven't had them play together at all." I'm like, "Well, I mean, at some point you're going to have to. these are your two best players, according to most people. Like, let's uh, let's get them on the same page just a little bit." And look, the, like I said, there's there's still some time, but not a lot of time. Right. We will we'll flip the page. I, I turn the page. Coming up after the break, I do want to talk to Matt a little bit about football. We're going to hand out some mid season awards. We're going to do that. That's going to be a good time. It's Mike Rutherford here with Matt McGavick on a Friday on 1450 ninety six one, the Big X.
3: To replace or service your HVAC system, Barry at BJ Heating and Cooling can help you choose the best and most reliable new Bryant cooling and heating system to fit your family's needs. Bryant, whatever it takes. BJ Heating and Cooling has faithfully served Kentuckiana for over 35 years and is one of the largest and most reliable heating and cooling companies in Kentuckiana. Experts you can trust can be reached at 812-283-7221 and online at bjheatcool.com. Kratz Sporting Goods is Southern Indiana's team sports specialist and is your local Adidas team product dealer. Kratz specializes in outfitting your team, organization, club, or business in apparel, hard goods, and accessories from Adidas and many others. Kratz offers fundraising opportunities for your team, organization, or club through online web stores. Let our friendly staff get you started today by calling 812-282-5400 or visit and shop at our website at kratzsports.com. Honey Baked
4: Ham in New Albany is the perfect spot for a healthy alternative to fast food. They provide a variety of freshly made sandwiches, as well as salads and delicious soups. And you can dine in or take it to go. They also have many dinner options such as ham, turkey, frozen sides, and desserts, which provide a complete meal. Catering is also available for small groups or large gatherings. Call Honey Baked Ham today, 812-941-9426, or visit them 3602 Northgate Court, Suite 23 in New Albany.
5: Jason here with AirServe, and I have an offer you can't refuse. For this month only, get a complete system installed for only $69.95. This is not a gimmick, and there are no heating costs. That's right. Get a complete system for $69.95 installed. Hurry up and call today to set up your appointment before we are totally booked. Go to AirServe.com and schedule
0: your appointment today. Remember, stay cool, stay comfortable, stay air-served. When it comes to cabinets, appliances, furniture, audio, and video, nobody does it like Century Entertainment and Furnishing. Listen to what these very satisfied customers had to say. This is Jennifer, and we
6: could not be happier with our outdoor sound system that Century installed for us. It is very user-friendly, and we love it. Thank you, Century. Hi, this is David. Century did my security system, cabinets, and entertainment
0: system. The work is very high quality, and the customer service is top-notch. Visit Century at their beautiful state-of-the-art showroom at 4310 Shelbyville Road or at CenturyLiving.com.
2: There are ordinary hotels, and there's the Four Seasons. There are ordinary cars, and there's the Rolls-Royce. There are ordinary handbags, and there's Gucci. There are ordinary engagement rings, and there's Genesis. A Genesis diamond ring is unlike any other. Artistic, innovative design, handcrafted precision, exceptional detail and quality. This is why people who work at other jewelers come to Genesis for their rings. A Genesis ring is considered the gold standard in bridle with no compromises, no cut corners, nothing short of perfection. We have the look, the style every woman dreams about. At Genesis, you'll find dozens of exclusive world-class bridal designers who are revered for their attention to detail, exceptional vision, and superior craftsmanship. A Genesis ring rises to the occasion, reflecting her style, her unique personality, her confidence, her individuality. In a world filled with ordinary, for this moment, choose extraordinary. Choose Genesis. Genesis Diamonds, Shelbyville Road Plaza.
7: Until about 10 years ago, for any electrical work I needed at my house, I was always calling a different electrician, sometimes for the same job. Things weren't done right and they weren't done on time, but for the last 10 years, Allen Electrical has been the only one I call. The work is unparalleled, it's prompts, the team's the epitome of professionalism. (laughs) You know, when I see an Allen Electrical truck in a neighbor's driveway, I kind of smile because I know they're getting the best. Allen Electrical, your electrician for life. Visit allenelectrical.com. he
8: will never leave you in the dark.
0: All right, welcome back in. Friday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 961, the Big X. Happy weekend to you, happy bye week weekend. We got Matt McGavick Woo. from Louisville Report in the house in studio. Matt underscore McGavick on Twitter. Louisville Report is the website. He's uh, he's posting a million articles a day. He's doing the damn thing. <laughs> Hardest working man in the city. Uh, you also do the what the the, the
1: from the Pink Seats podcast is the one that you're on. Yeah, from the Pink Seats. I haven't okay. been on there the last couple times because it kind of conflicts with the softball league I'm on. But you know what? Okay. Some, sometimes you got priorities priorities, man. <laughs> I hear you. Where are you playing softball? It's this league out in Tom Sawyer with uh, the ESPN 680 guys. Oh, nice.
0: We used to play, I mean, it's been, like God, 10 years at this point since I've done anything remotely athletically besides golf, but we would play <laughs> down the river. We played St. Martha League. We, for a while there, like, post-college life, softball became a big deal, and it was it was a lot of fun, and there was one game where we were playing at um, Camp Taylor, mm. and like I dropped a fly ball for the first time since I'd been, like, six years old. And I was like, "This is it. Like, I,
1: I, it's done." I looked over my buddy who played at mail, and I was like,
0: "We're not good at sports anymore. Like, th- like this yeah. is the point where I have to stop." I, yeah. pushing thirty, it was done.
1: I, I I was in right field to start the season, and now I'm firmly at catcher. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. It's a nice little easy There's spot. There's nothing. What what's understood doesn't need to be said.
0: Let's talk a, a little Cardinal football. We talked basketball in the first segment, uh, but but U football six and one overall. I want to hand out some individual awards here in, in a second, but for you. Since we haven't talked to you since football season started, give me your overall thoughts on what we've seen thus far in the Jeff Brom era. Good, great. Where are you with the six
1: and one start? I think the best way to put it it's that I it's what I expected from a Jeff Brom team slash season, but the bet one of the better versions of it. And I say that because. Coming in, I mean, we kind of know what Jeff Brom's mo is as a coach. He gets up for the big game. Sometimes struggles with some of the games he should win. He co- coaches up offense. The defense is a little suspect. But then when you look at this team, the offense is there, obviously. The defense has been a lot better than I think a lot of people expected, including me. I thought they were going to be, you know, average, maybe above average, and they've been pretty good. The run game. Which, I mean, that was kind of on the back burner for a lot of the offseason because a lot of the talk was, you know, passing game, the passing game, Jamari Thrash, Jack mm-hmm. Plummer, what are we expecting there? And Jamar Jordan, I mean, I wrote about it before the pit game. I mean, he was starting to put himself in maybe some fringe Heisman talk. Now, that's probably on the back burner now because of the injury in the pit game and whatnot. But, I mean, as a whole, this is probably one of the. Better outcomes up to this point in the season than you would have expected. Now, I've, I've seen some people say that after after the pit loss, they say, "Yeah, well, we only expected to maybe go four and three, five and two up to this point," which is true. I mean, I know personally, I expect them to be four and three up to this point, but I also thought they're going to lose at NC State and against Notre Dame. But in the same breath, when you start off six and zero and have the Grand opportunity to move to seven to zero. It's okay to be a little bit disappointed that they didn't get the job done at Pitt. Sure, but like I said, I go back to my original point and in the same, in the same breath. I mean, I didn't expect them to be six and one up at this point. I didn't expect them to be six and zero. I thought Notre Dame was going to win that game. I thought it was going to be a little bit of a, a long road to hoe against Notre Dame, and then Louisville end up beating Notre Dame at their own game. I mean, we've talked about that ad nauseum. So there's a mix of good mix of bad, but there's a lot more good, like a lot more good, than there is bad to this point. But we'll see how they perform in the second half of the season, because they've, well, they've got two stinkers ahead in Virginia and Virginia Tech. I mean, Duke's good, mm-hmm. Miami's good, the coach isn't that good, but the talent is, <laughs> uh, and Kentucky is Kentucky. Yeah. So there's it's three of your, what, five hardest games are going to be in that, in that five game stretch into the season.
0: And that's the thing, because, you know, preseason predictions are dumb we all do them mm-hmm. but but they are dumb because we have no idea especially in college football where you get no preseason there's no exhibition there's no you know you don't have spring training like you do in basically like, there's nothing the first glimpse of this uh, of these teams are all when they play their first actual game that counts so you know i mean i had us losing at Pitt and and at nc state and i thought those teams were going to be a lot better than they were and now the pit loss seems less understandable than it would have going into the season and the yeah. nc state's uh, vic win seems less impressive than it would have um, uh, a month and a half ago, you you look at the the last half of the season now, and I, I keep saying half. We've played seven games, but it does feel like this is sort of. It's an, natural to say
1: half because it's, it's bye week. I'm right. I've, I've called it half, and I know it's not the true half. So you know,
0: it feels like the midway point. You have a, a little break. We finally get to come up for air, and then you've got this a, this very tough stretch to end the season. I, I mean, we all do the game by game picks as media media <laughs> quotes guys. What was your preseason? Over, like What record did you end up going with? I think it went 8-4. and four. That's what I did, too. So like, are you, because the question came up after our, our 4-0, and 0 start, people were like, would you like to revisit that? And I did bump it up to 9-3. and three. And now I sit here, and for a while there, I mean, going into last week, it was like it's hard to see them maybe not going 10-2. and But you've got, like you said, Duke next week will be a nationally ranked opponent pretty much regardless of what happens this week in their game against Florida State. Miami on the road is always going to be tough because they've mm-hmm. got they've got talent you never know when that talent's going to wake up and actually play to its potential it seems like they do that to a couple of teams every year it'll
1: be tough because of the talent but not because of the environment and the coaching
0: exactly but you know the last maybe I'm just scarred by the last couple of times we've gone down there where it seems yeah, like they have that's, just that's been true. like they've, they've kind of done whatever they wanted to to us and then like you said Kentucky is 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 kind of Kentucky it doesn't like I don't care what Kentucky does in these these weeks ahead they've Handled us so easily the last four years that it's hard to get over that mental hurdle until we actually see a Louisville team go out there and look like they. And last year was somewhat competitive, but it, you know, it was, Kentucky was pretty much in control. It felt like the majority of that game. Yeah. Until we actually go out there and either beat them or play in a game where it feels like you know we, we should have beaten them. Mm-hmm. So, are you upping the record now, or are you sticking with eight and four as we stare down the last five games of this regular season?
1: I would probably up it to. I'm going to jinx them by saying this. I just know I am. I'd probably up it to and two. honestly. Okay. I think that's very attainable. Uh, Virginia is ass. I'm not going to explain <laughs> further than that. Virginia Tech is not great either, but they have looked really good the last couple weeks They're with uh, Kyron Drones, that backup uh, QB coming in there. He's looked really good, but, I mean, it's, it's at home, and Louisville has played considerably better at home than they have away from home, so I'm not too terribly concerned there. Um, Duke? Again, it being at home gives me a lot better of a feeling that Louisville will be able to pull it out because I don't have the exact splits in front of me, but Louisville has played nearly night and day football when they're at home versus away from home. Yeah, And I don't really need the data. You can just see it with your own eyes. They, they, they play a lot better. They play a lot sharper. They play a lot more efficient. So with Duke, and as good as they are, with it being – in Louisville, I feel better, and we still don't know if Riley Leonard's going to be ready for that game. I mean, it it sounds like he should. He might even play against Florida State because he's still technically air quotes day to day, but we'll see. So I would chalk that Duke game up as a win, but it's going to be a tough one, that's for sure. The last two games are where I have some of the bigger reservations because while Miami's coaching, I'm always going to poke fun of Mario Cristobal because he can't coach his way out of paper bag, even though it gets talent out the wazoo. Sure seems like it. Yeah. Miami's really talented. Very talented. They, they, they have the guys to possibly go toe-to-toe with m- most teams in college football, except for, like, the top five or ten. It's just that the coaching kind of gets in the way. And plus, you know, it is a road game. I know Miami isn't exactly known for their hostile road environments in that NFL stadium, but, like... I just mentioned it's going to be difficult playing away from home for this Louisville team because they seem to play not their best football when it's not at LN Stadium and then Kentucky and I hate saying that I'm still expecting a loss because with Jeff Brown we all know he comes up for the big games he comes up for the rivalry games and he if anyone's going to motivate Louisville to break the streak against Kentucky it's going to be him but I'm of the mindset that until it Actually happens I'm not going to go in, into that game with Expectation that it's going to change And now maybe that will change in a, a couple weeks And Louisville goes to 9-1 and one heading into Miami, we'll see But until then I'm not going to have a ton of Expectations because Kentucky's Defense is still pretty good and Kentucky's Running back is uh, yeah. pretty damn good Himself I feel myself leaning more towards
0: I, I, I think we're going to end up finishing 9-3 and three, Which is one game better than I thought going into the season. So I mean, I would. I think most people would have signed up for a nine and three season. Right. And going three and two over these last five, some people may look at that as a disappointment. But like you said, I mean, Duke is a game that they could lose. We'll, we'll see mm-hmm. what I think. We'll find out a lot about Duke this weekend. You know, the, the Clemson loss, uh, the, the Clemson win to start the season, maybe was a little bit fluky. They were the better team, but the fact that it was twenty eight to seven, it was so decisive because Clemson gave the ball away. In the red zone mm-hmm. three different times. Like, that was just one of those things. It,
1: it's it's amazing what happens when you turn the ball over inside the 25 yard <laughs> line three times. We know. <laughs> we're,
0: we're, we're well aware. Mm-hmm. They, uh, and they, you can argue they should have beaten Notre Dame. And, yeah. and they have, they should have beaten Notre Dame. <laughs> to their credit, they've also, like, they have handled business against the teams that they're supposed to beat. Like, they have bludgeoned mm-hmm. the teams that they are clearly better than. And, and I mean, like, I, th- I thought they were an upset alert last week without their quarterback against NC State no problem whatsoever. whatsoever. If they come out and they're you know, they right there with FSU or they beat FSU this weekend, I think that's a game you look at and you're like, damn, they could definitely come into our house and, and, and have no problem um, pulling off another top 25 victory. So I think there's concern there for sure. That'll be a big game. Hopefully the crowd will show up. I think that Virginia's bad. You should have no issue. It's a goal game for God's sake on a Thursday night. Let's get it up. The Virginia Tech game, a little bit more nervous now than I was a couple weeks ago because, like you mm-hmm. said, they've played much, much better football the last couple of weeks. We'll see how they play um, for, for the, the two weeks before they come to town. And, and then I still – I said before the season, the Miami game is the one that I have the least hope for. I still kind of feel that way because Miami does this thing every year where you know they start off 4-0 or they start off 5-0 and they're in the top 25 and they have these lofty expectations and the Miami is back talk starts up. And then they lose that first game, and it usually it's in some sort of like horrific, mm-hmm. shocking fashion. Not usually as bad as it was this year, but something akin to what we saw in the Georgia Tech game. And then for a little bit of time, they just give up totally. Like, like once the dreams of winning a national title are gone, all those former five-star recruits, all those former four-star recruits, they just pack it up a little bit. And you saw that I think last week against uh, North Carolina. Now they have a chance to bounce back in a, in a big way this weekend against Clemson. Mm-hmm. They still they, they play Florida State the week before us, but Miami is this. This kind of like dormant weapon that I, I feel like charges out of nowhere at some point. The, the door just opened here. The ghost, uh, the, the ghost of the Big X studios just blew the, the door open. The <laughs> it is spooky season, Miami, Miami is like this weapon. And once or twice a year, after they've had that give up, they just take it out on some, some poor, like good but not great team that comes to their house where it's like, damn, like look at all this talent. They, they beat whoever mm-hmm. 55 to 30. I fear that that's going to be us in that yeah. penultimate weekend of the, uh, of the season because. They're the type of team that, you know, we, we have some talent for sure. But if Miami's playing to its, if, if they're fully focused, if they're fully locked in, if everything's
1: going their way, it's one of those games you kind of shrug your shoulders and like, yeah,
0: they, just, they got some dudes that we don't.
1: So I'm, I'm not exactly going to comfort you with the stat that I'm about to tell you. I'm looking at a PFFs, grades, you know, just by overall grade. Take a guess as to what the top three teams are in college football in terms of their overall pro football focus grade. Oh, gosh. Uh, Georgia? Nope. Georgia's eighth. I mean, I'm assuming Miami's in the top three. Miami's in the top three. (laughs) They're number three. Uh, Michigan. Michigan's number one. Number number two is going to surprise you. Um, I mean,
3: like
1: Air Force.
0: I was going to say James Madison. No, Air Force. Air Force. Okay, go Falcons. We played them in a bowl game a few years ago. We saw Mm -hmm. them good there. And Miami's number three.
1: Yeah, Miami's number three. I don't like that. They're ahead of Washington, Ohio State, Alabama, Penn State, Georgia, Oregon State, Notre Dame, Oklahoma. I mean, they're ahead of a lot of the top. AP top good ten, Lord. so they've they've got talent. If they want to just take Louisville out behind the woodshed, they can absolutely do it. Yeah, I, I get especially the way that we've played away from
0: home. Mm-hmm. We've, we've not really played a a very good game away from home. Georgia Tech and Indiana not true road games, depending on how you look at it. Uh, NC State, we were lucky to to win a thirteen ten squeaker, and then last week was obviously the game from hell. So I, I do get concerned about that game in particular. Kentucky, I don't know I don't know what to think. I picked us to win the game going into the season. And I do think that we're going to end up cuz what it comes down to, what what I said it was going to come down to at the end of the season was that's the game that determines the overwhelming sentiment that the fan base carries into the offseason. Oh yeah. If you lose it and you go cuz I, I I said we're going to win it and go 8 and 4. And if you lose that game and you go 7 and 5 or at this point lose it and you go 8 and 4. I think you have some disappointed people out there. You have some fans that are like, yeah, the Notre Dame thing was fun. That was great. Love the start, but we've got to hopefully better days are ahead. Mm-hmm. If you win the game, I think Jeff Brom is King. It almost doesn't matter what you do in your bowl game. You know, we'll see how the recruiting goes. We'll see how the transfer portal goes. People are going to be excited. Season ticket sales will continue to skyrocket. And like, it's the biggest tangible piece of evidence yet that a new day is here. You know, you know, they dominated us so thoroughly. That time is gone. We're back to being the kings of the state. We're only going to get better. We're going to compete for conference championships. I, I think with every loss, and hopefully there are no more losses, but but if we do lose a couple of games before that, the importance of that game only increases because it becomes sort of like it, it, be, it becomes bigger than your bowl game. Mm-hmm. That, that's the game that everybody puts their sock into. And I think that's, that's the game that takes you from, eh, good, but kind of a disappointment at the end to that was a great year. Love Jeff Brom Couldn't be happier That he's here like, I think you need To win that game
1: Yeah if you go Two and two ahead of that It 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 dampens what A lot of fans Are going to be Looking forward to In bowl season So yeah it does make The game more important It I, I just thought of A hypothetical Does this game Mean more If Louisville goes Four and zero Or two and two Because if, if you're If you're Ten and one Heading into that You've got pretty much The orange ball On the line right there And you've at that point, you might have even clinched. Depending on how else the conference shakes out, you might have even clinched a spot in the ACC championship. And then on the other on the other situation, obviously not as many people are excited for what the bowl is going to be. It might be the Gator Bowl, Sun Bowl, mm-hmm. Pop-Tarts Bowl. It's going to be a, a decent-ish tier one bowl, but not a one that a lot of people thought that Louisville could attain, especially after starting six and zero. So that only magnifies the importance of that Kentucky game. In which situation do you think it becomes more important or crucial? It's a good question. I, my gut says
0: it's the 2-2 two and two one. I think if you're 10-1, first of all, that it, it's, it's not guaranteed, but there's a strong chance that you would already have locked up a bid to the ACC title game. And I think if you lose the Kentucky game then, you can still – it would suck. But you would turn around and say, hey, if we beat Florida State and Charlotte – we're going to a New Year's Six game. We're conference champions. That's still a, a huge accomplishment. You would have that to fall back on. the The, the nightmare scenario, or like that we had last week, was if we we're eleven zero going into that game, and it's like oh, it's like I would rather be nine and three <laughs> than, than eleven and one and have that be the only loss. I don't. I wouldn't have be able to live with myself if Kentucky ruined our shot at, at a college football playoff and a national championship. Um, but, you know, that's no longer a concern. I, I just think that if you're if you're eight and three going into that game, or God forbid seven and four, it's like like that's the game that decides mm-hmm. how people feel about your season. If you're ten and one and you lose, it's a sore point. It's kind of like the way that it was when Rick Pitino was here with basketball, where the teams were great, people were still pissed that you were losing to Kentucky, but you know they didn't want to fire him just because he couldn't beat UK. It was. We're still going, we're top four seed in the NCAA tournament every year. We're we're still competing for national titles. I think it's that type of situation where it's, it's more of an annoyance than it is Mm -hmm. a, this kind of ruined what had been a, a a fun three month period in our lives. That makes sense. Let's just not, how about we just win the game? (laughs) I I, I am so sick of losing (laughs) to these guys as someone, like, I don't know if, you know, I've got nephews now that are, one is a freshman in college and the other two are in high school and like when I was growing up, we just like we we dominated Kentucky. Like that was you know there were a couple periods here and there where the team was bad and we'd lose one or two games in a row. And you know when we started off playing in the 90s, they were kind of a slightly better program, and then that changed pretty quickly. Like you know, kids these days, they don't have that that built-in DNA of you know, we're better than Kentucky football. Let's mm-hmm. point and laugh at them. And the cool thing about this year's game is it it, it has the potential to be two pretty good teams playing each other and yeah. what would be a Interesting game at the end of the season. Now, Kentucky's going uh, a little bit backwards right now. They've had two rough weeks in a row. But if they, you know, they're not going to beat Alabama. But if if they can beat Tennessee and the other two teams they play, I think it's uh, Mississippi State and South Carolina. That that would make sense. The, the, The two division opponents. If they go into that game with just those three losses, three pretty understandable losses, there's a shot that they're nationally ranked. And we've never had a game where both teams have been nationally ranked in the battle for the Governor's Cup. And that would be,
1: Again, there really I, never been one? It's
0: never happened. Like they had never oh, really? been they had never been ranked against us until I think three years ago was the first time. We've been ranked against them like eight or nine times, but they've been ranked I think now twice when they've played us and it's both been within the last four seasons. Mm. So it's never happened at the same time. And I think that's part of the reason why like the rivalry is never going to take center stage nationally or even close to center stage nationally, especially with it now being played at the end of the season. But the reason why it hasn't made more of a blip on the radar is You've had years where Kentucky's been really good or good. You've had years where we've been kind of in that top 15 realm, especially when the game was being played at the beginning of the season. But it's never been the same. It's time. never been simultaneous, and, and so you know their biggest wins over us have been games where you know we were you know like 7 we're a top 10 team preseason, we're a huge favorite in the game, and they they shock us. Or the Lamar Jackson game a few years ago where they shocked us, and we haven't had many of those chances in the opposite until recently, and we have not capitalized on them whatsoever when they've been expected to beat us. They've they've beaten us, and they've beaten us bad. So I I would like to see a game where people tune in not just because, hey, these two teams hate each other, or hey, Louisville's really good, or hey, Kentucky's really good. I I want people to tune in because, hey, these are two good teams. It's a rivalry game, and and let's pay attention to it. It has some, some meaning on bowl season and how these two teams view their years, and I think that could be the case this season, but a lot of football to be played. But let's Let's win the game. I, I'm, I'm just—I'm so ready to get back to it. Being like, we're Louisville, they're Kentucky. We should win every year, and when we don't, it's a huge thing for them. And they're storming the field in '07 because we're so much better than they are and have been for a long time. Like, we need the new generation to to remember what it's like. Remember who we are. Simba.
1: One, one game season, Mike. As Jeff Brown would say.
0: I know, but we, <laughs> we, we're on a bye week for God's sake. We—this is what you can do on the bye week. This is—this is fine. So my final answer to my own question, which is very long-winded, is I think we're going to go 9-3. That's where I stand. I'm not picking which games I think we're going to lose. Outside of Miami, I think we're up against it. I think we lose the Miami game. I think we either I think we win one of the Duke or or, or Kentucky games and lose the other. Virginia-Virginia Tech, we should take care of business. Where are you real quickly? we got about a minute left. Mm-hmm. Jack Plummer, is there any concern for you with him being the guy for the last five games, because you know there's some talk now they got a bye week. Maybe they could get somebody else ready to go.
1: And see, I, granted, what I saw in, in spring and in the fall, I just don't think that Doman or any of the the newcomers can really threaten him. He's by far and away the best they have now. Yeah. Granted, I mean, he he's done a lot of good, but he's also done a lot of like boneheaded things. If he can just shore up his decision making and awareness, he can be a lot better. He really can because I mean. Yeah. Some some of the a lot of the interceptions aren't really his fault. Some of them are drops and tips from receivers, but he's had a, a handful of really boneheaded decisions. There are sometimes where his pocket awareness or like his overall like view of the front seven is isn't what you would expect of a six-year singer sixth-year senior, excuse me, and then he. Take sacks that he probably shouldn't have. Yeah, but we, we got to
0: gotta break. Sorry, real real, real quick. we the hard out at 59 now, so we 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 have to do it. It's 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 fair, quick. Fair. We can continue this after the break. I do want to do the individual awards thing. Then we'll take some texts at 502-414-1450. It's the Rutherford Show Friday edition here on 1450 The Big X.
4: Is only locally on Sports Talk, 1450 on 96.1 FM. The Big X Sports Radio, WXVW, Jeffersonville.
6: Hello, New Albany Mayor Jeff Gahan here. It's football season in New Albany. We're behind our Bulldogs 100%. From my time playing sports at New Albany High School to today as your mayor, I am a proud New Albany High School Bulldog. So I'm asking each and every one of you to come on out and support our favorite high school, the best high school team in the state, the New Albany Bulldogs. Good luck to the coach, staff
0: and players this season. Go Dogs! Hey Cards fans, UofL's nationally ranked and globally recognized 20-month professional MBA combines the experience of a top-rated program with the convenience of evening classes. Learn from world-class faculty as well as regional and national business leaders. Connect with industry experts, expand your professional network, hone your skills, and advance your career without interrupting it. Get started today and earn your MBA. Visit business.louisville.edu backslash L MBA.
4: Ah, the smell of perfectly baked pizza and the sounds of the big game are what you'll find at Boomba's Pizza and Watch Bar in the Highlands, J-Town, Westport Village, Elizabethtown, and Jeffersonville. Boomba's has served its award-winning menu for over 24 years. It's everything a football fan could want before, during, or after a big game. Hot subs, calzones, cheesy pasta bakes, a fantastic kids' menu, or a famous pizza creation. Boomba's is crafted for you. We hope to see you soon for lunch or dinner at Boomba's.
9: Not everyone can be a champion in high school sports, but everyone can be a champion of high school sports.
4: That's right, fans and parents can be champions. Coaches and officials, educators, and the media can all be champions of high school sports. I'm Paul Knighty, commissioner of the IHSAA.
9: And I'm Assistant Commissioner Janie Ulmer. Being a champion of high school sports is about so much more than winning and losing, setting records, or raising trophies.
4: It's about supporting the mission of education-based athletics, preserving the opportunity for student-athletes to grow and develop in the second classroom, and to protect high school sports for future generations to come.
9: Champions of high school sports are just one of the many reasons that education-based athletics in Indiana are so special.
4: And the easiest way to be a champion is by buying a ticket to
8: your high school athletic event
9: this is showing support
8: this is championing high school sports this is your IHSAA
3: when design is key to your landscape project give Walnut Ridge landscape and design a call at 812-288-6691 Walnut Ridge has more experience than any landscape company in the area remember walnut ridge landscape and design when design is key to your project and you want the most experienced landscaping company in the area give walnut ridge a call at 812-288-6691 walnut ridge landscape and design when design is key
10: matt dennison here inviting you to join me weekdays at 11 a.m for the hoosier report Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers, interviews with prominent figures in Kentuckiana sports, and discussion of other sports topics important to southern Indiana. That's the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. weekdays at 11 a.m. on the Home for the Hoosiers, 1450 WXVW.
7: Until about 10 years ago, for any electrical work I needed at my house, I was always calling a different electrician. Sometimes for the same job, things weren't done right, and they weren't done on time. But for the last 10 years, Allen Electrical has been the only one I call. The work is unparalleled. It's prompts. The team's the epitome of professionalism. (laughs) You know, when I see an Allen Electrical truck in a neighbor's driveway, I kind of smile because I know they're getting the best.
8: Allen Electrical, your electrician for life. Visit allenelectrical.com. They'll never leave you in the dark.
0: Very Trevor song. I like
10: it. <laughs> hey. it's here, it's here. Uh, lips Welcome
0: back in. Four o'clock out here, the Friday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 one The Big X. Matt McGavick with me here in studio today on the Friday show. We're going to turn things over to you guys on the Thornton's text line in just a second. If you have thoughts, let us know at 502-414-1450. Before we do that, though, I promised this uh this sort of quick segment we did not deliver. A couple, of, we'll just use some individual awards on the first half. We're calling it the first half. It's seven games, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, of the Louisville football season. I, I want because I think I think the the answer to the question is is fairly obvious in a couple of these. So I want to give I, I want you to give me your top two. If I said through seven games, offensive MVP, give me your your number
1: one, your number two. I think it's got to be. Jaws and Jamari. I mean, Jaws is probably number one. You can make a case for Jamari for being, being number one, considering his importance in the passing game, but I mean, like I said in the last hour, I mean, Jaws for a little bit was starting to get on the fringes of Heisman talk, and yeah. depending on if he doesn't get injured against Pitt, who knows where he's at now, so I I think for sure it's it's got to be Jaws, number one, Jamari. Even with his wrist taped to hell and back, he still had, what, a nine catch, 120-yard performance yeah. at Pitt, and even before that, he was just doing a whole bunch of things that we haven't seen I have a level wide receiver since probably tutu not to say that him and Tutu are the same type of receiver because they're far from it but we haven't seen that sort of explosiveness and scoring capability that from a wide receiver probably since him so it's definitely got to be jordan and thrash one and two i like at one the only thing that i, w- I
0: would maybe say like could be at number two if, if you did the lazy cheat thing which is like <laughs> i'm going with the offensive line at number two like you, you can make that case which i think is you can't do that but also it feels weird to be like i'm going with brian hudson over michael gonzalez or you know willie turner like it's just right. so I, I think the one and two are pretty obvious jawar should be one um I, I mean who knows if we win the pit game if he's healthy i think we have a better shot it would have been nice yeah. to, to see and then Jamari has been an absolute beast. I think he scored in every game but one so far this year, which I is so, pretty yeah. crazy for a wide receiver. He's been as good as we as good as we wanted him to be, which is a pretty high compliment considering the hype that he came here with. So I'll go Jaws and Jamari. we're in lockstep here.
1: Defensive side of the ball, number one, number two. When it comes to MVP, number number one. I mean, it's got to be Ashton. It's Got to I mean, be. Ashton. He's legitimately like a top fifty player in college football right now, and he's he he's had a couple games where he hasn't been as Big of an impact as I would have hoped, especially the I'm looking at the pit game since that offensive line was not that great and it was injured Ellen back and i little would have liked to see him be a little bit more forced there, but even before that game he was had a great season, I think he's eight tackles for loss, six and a half sacks, I think he's in the top five in sacks actually, so he's number one for sure number two, oh gosh, number two is where it gets no number two is a a lot more interesting um I'm going to say. Quincy Riley okay just because I mean the, you you also could give the number two to like four or five different guys and a lot of those guys are in the secondary I mean Cam Kelly's done phenomenal since stepping up with Josh Minkins kind of on the men with his hamstring injury Devin Neal's done really well he's had some like he's had some moments where he makes plays where Little's defense absolutely needed it uh TJ Quinn another phenomenal guy he's He's had a great leap from his season last year, and he's the the team's leader in tackles. But I think Quincy, not only is he still as good as he was in coverage last year, I remember him mentioning in the preseason that something that he was going to work on Thank you, backing up truck. Baby, yeah. I swear to God,
0: every time I open that window to try to get a little air in here, it's either a, a parent and a kid screaming at each other as they get picked up from the school, or something like that, where it's a forklift just like going off behind us. It, it in ver-
1: I open it five minutes later. It's like,
0: Dad, why are you? I'm like, Oh my god,
1: we're, we're on the radio here. <laughs> but no, not not in the preseason. Quincy was saying that something that he wanted to work on was working on his overall physicality he mentioned down basically him and Jarvis were kind of feeding off each other Jarvis wanted to get better in cover uh, Riley wanted to get better in terms of physicality Jarvis has, has gotten better in coverage but still a little bit hit or miss there there's still been a couple moments where he's gotten busted wide open but Riley his coverage his ball skills are just as good as they were last year and he's having a lot more success in the short to intermediate part of the field and I think like off the top of my head he's like among the college football leaders and passes defended, mm-hmm. which is, you know, phenomenal. This is what, and there's, a, there's, like I said, there's a lot of guys in the secondary who you could say is like the number two defensive guy, but I think based on just seeing on-field performance and stats, I think it's going to be, it's got to be Quincy Riley. Yeah.
0: Ashton, I, I think is the obvious number one. He was named a CBS had him as a mid-season All-American earlier this year. Just uh, today, mm-hmm. he got named to what watch list. It was the the watch list for the, the Ben Eric award which goes to the best overall defensive player in college football. He's been, a lot of people were predicting a breakout junior season. He's been, like Jamari Thrash, as good as our expectations were for him coming into this year. He's been been terrific. I also am going to go with Quincy Riley at number two. I I think that he, the fact that he doesn't get talked about more nationally, Mm -hmm. it's gotten to the point where it bugs me because you look at the numbers and his his stats stack up with virtually any cornerback in the country. He is when he's being thrown at, which is a rarity. Man, you're seeing a lot of teams that are like, we're just not going to that side of the field. We're, we're throwing – Jarvis Brownlee's good, but we're going to take our chances and uh, go for the middle of the field. When people are throwing at him, they're completing just 35.3% of their passes on, on Riley. That's the fourth best in college football, which is a minimum 25 targets. He's right behind another, I say, a Rutherford. Where are all these Rutherfords <laughs> coming from in sports these days? It's always
1: coming up, Rutherford.
0: None of them look like me, but <laughs> – I don't think we're closely related, except for the one who plays for the Nationals, <laughs> who sucked this year. <laughs> but yeah, we get the one for Pitt, like kind of, or not, not Pitt. The uh, Georgia Tech who Malik played Rutherford so well against that? us. I was like, yeah, this, this guy's good. First play they go to, I'm like, well, what's happening here? Good. You have the Kentucky volleyball player who's like their best player, is Rutherford. What's I don't, I don't know what's happening here. We're booming as as a as a family, but none of them are playing the for the little. universe is trolling yeah. We've got to start getting some of these guys in Cardinal uniforms, <laughs> but. Uh, Quincy Riley is fourth in that category. He is third in the ACC in passes defended, which again yep. is a is a hell of a stat considering how little he gets thrown at. You saw in the Notre Dame game. Like they I think Notre Dame came into that game believing they could throw the ball down the field on Louisville and, you know, Louisville sold out to stop the the run. They did that effectively. They put pressure on Sam Hartman entirely and they trusted their corners to be out there on an island. The very first time that Sam Hartman takes a shot, he goes at Quincy Riley and it goes horribly. And they really didn't do much of going at Riley again after that, and understandably so.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm the, looking at the the stats now. He's got he's leading the team in in, in targets by opposing players, but he's given up the fifth like the fifth most yardage. Like there's four guys in front of him who have given up more yardage than him, and he's being thrown out the most. He's I mean he's he's very very good. I I think it's
0: I'm trying to think of the the, the way to put it. It's the next Jair? i'm kind of like i don't want to put that much pressure on him i remember keith Wynn hyping him up and and when we Keith was on the show when we found out that he was transferring in and keith said like i I think he can have the same type of impact here that keecho clark did this is when keecho clark is like arguably the top cornerback in the acc yeah and i was like damn like okay and he i think he's that good like he is I, i don't think he gets nearly enough national press i think he's starting to finally get a little bit of nfl draft buzz but he's been just so good the last couple of years. He's not the guy that you want to throw at. Don't don't take those shots. Don't. I think the dumbest coaching move that I've seen from any opposing coach so far this season was actually last week when Pat Narduzzi. All he has to do is run the clock out. It's when they're up by ten, and they throw twice at, at, at Quincy Riley on second and third down when there's like I think three and a half minutes left. And the first one it bounces off the the receiver's hands, and it's almost it's very close to being like a, a pick yeah. six type situation. I was like, this is a, this was quite the call. This is quite the decision. What are you doing here? It made that loss all the more frustrating because I, I felt like Pitt didn't, it, it's not like they made a whole bunch of like
1: great scheme moves and great, like it, it, they, they just, we shot ourselves in the foot all the way to a 17 point no, they, they shot themselves in the foot many times. They might yeah. as well taken a shotgun to their feet.
0: All right. This is a, you know, we, we've done offensive and defensive MVPs. We're, we're exactly right here. Play of the year. Most important Ooh. play. Give me a one and give me a two. Because I, I think oh, there's, there's a handful of big ones out there. I can go first since give you a little time to think about it. Okay, I'm gonna go with my number one play of the year is the first Jawar touchdown run against Notre Dame. That's it. That's still yours. So now you oh, know how no. it feels. Well,
1: well, no, that was actually not the one. But you, okay, I think we're both thinking along the same vein and having jaws involved. But yeah, like I thought that
0: was a. Yeah, the, the, that was kind of the the, the tone setter. That, that was the, hey, we've got a, a real shot to actually do this. And, and also, it was just a electrifying run. It looked like an NFL run. Mm-hmm. Number two, I'm going to actually go with the, the fourth down stop against Indiana. Where, you son of a bitch. Uh, yeah, I mean, was, it was a big one. Because like, that would have been such a just a buzz kill to the start of the Jeff Brom era if they'd come back, tie that game, and then, God forbid, won in overtime. And, look, it was a terrible play call by Tom Allen. Mm-hmm. Calling the timeout beforehand felt weird, too. But we need the defense to step up and make a play to win the game, and, and and they did it, and that you know quite literally ended the game. So that would be my number two.
1: I I was actually going to go that that IU goal line stand at number one. So screw you can make you. that argument? Screw, screw yeah. you for taking that from no me. No problem. But um, number two, I'm actually going to go with that really long touchdown run by Jaws in the Georgia Tech game. Okay. Because that put them, it it dug themselves officially out of that hole that they had created for themselves. It made sure that they finished the game strong. And if, and if you lose that game right out the gates, regardless of how exactly it plays out towards the end, I mean, things could have a potential to snowball and have a domino effect from there. So correct me if I'm wrong, that, that first play came off of a Georgia Tech turnover, right? It's it did. So, yeah, so being able to score immediately after getting that turnover to put yourself over the hump ahead of Georgia Tech in the game's waning moments— is a, is a crucial swing point, especially consider considering like how that game could have unfolded or devolved from there and had serious repercussions throughout the rest of the season. I think a, a few others that,
0: uh, that would warrant consideration. I would say the, the Brock Travelstead 54 yard kick against Cincinnati, state, yep. which, which yep. put us up 13, 10. That was a, you can't sleep on the, the special teams here. You're been, right. You're right. You're right. Haven't been great recently, but he's yeah. still, had a nice night there. Uh, I would, I would, for like just sicko pleasure sake, the the, the, <laughs> the fake punt against Boston College was. I mean, that, that I was that was the first real Jeff Brom trick play gadget play that we've had this season. I forgot about that. That was oh, wonderful.
1: The fake kneel down,
0: the fake kneel down was was great. That was that, that. That's actually what I'm thinking of. That that's what I meant. The the fake kneel down, not the not the fake punt because the fake punt worked but it got called back. Yeah. The fake kneel down at, at the end of the the half against Boston College was another one that was like that. This is what we thought we were signing up for with Jeff Brom. This mm-hmm. is great. Um, Outside of that, I don't think we're missing any big ones. I, I, the, the last one that I think would warrant at least talking about the Georgia Tech driving down by five, the DesTel force fumble that you know, we kind of put yeah. the game away. Mm-hmm. I think I can't remember
1: uh, Dashton recovered or I think Ramon
0: Purrier, You're right, Ramon Perea recovered it, and then we scored. Jawar ran for like 85 yards right after yeah. that. that. That was a yeah, that was. A big play because they were driving, they had all the momentum, and it was like, oh, this is not going great. That was huge. So those five plays would be an under consideration. I think best win if we're doing that. There's no yeah. There's there's, there's no come on. No. Worst loss.
1: Well,
0: there's only <laughs> there's only one
1: one way to go there. <laughs> uh, I don't even know. I mean, all the, I feel like all the individual I think one game po- categories would be Notre yeah. Dame. Yeah. One, one play that I, I don't think is going to have like really like in contention for like the play of the year, but I, I still go back to it is the, is the uh, the rushing touchdown by Plummer in that Boston college game where he has that savvy veteran double pump move to mm-hmm. have that screaming edge rusher to like bite and jump up in the air. So you can try to turn the corner and go around and die for the pylon. And in, in, in the grand scheme of the season, that's probably not going to be like one of the more impactful plays, but I think it was one of the more savvy plays by Plummer. Like that, that was a play that you expect a sixth year senior to make more of, and not some of the um, yeah. other plays he's made recently. Yeah, I, I know you and I.
0: I think that we're on, and I hated that I did cut you off there at the end of the last hour for that that hard out. It's just a, it's it's a month. no. You're fine. It, it's a it's a B. I think you and I are, are sort of on the same page when it comes to Jack Plummer. I think a lot of the stuff, and you're seeing it die down now that we're getting a little bit more removed from the pit game, was reactionary because he he did play. Like I mean, like he did he didn't play great against Pitt. He
1: yeah. he he wasn't terrible, but the mistakes once again were so. The glaring. mistakes were so bad and has such and had such a negative impact on the game that it's 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 understandable to have that gut reaction because i mean like when when your starting quarterback has three turnovers inside the 25 yard line i mean that's the story of the game right there it doesn't yeah. matter what else happens but i mean when you look at it only two only one of those is really his fault it was the fumble because he he should have i'm not saying he should have had eyes in the back of his head to see the guy coming but he should have he saw him though he saw him and he, and he started moving left he he's right that's in his true. face like yeah it it drove me crazy. Yeah, but his two interceptions weren't weren't really his fault. I know a lot of people aren't are, aren't going to want to hear that and think I'm gonna I'm making excuses for a Plumber. But I mean that first one, um, when he said yeah, Jamari Thrash got bumped off his route. I mean the pit linebacker just shoved him, just just straight up shoved yeah. him. It was like he was setting a screen. So I mean I can see what he's talking about there. So I'm not going to put it on here. And the second one, who was it? Who was that to Calaway? Callaway. Callaway just straight up dropped it. Yeah, and it went into the. Arms like right to the pit cornerback that's right there. So, I mean, he was a little bit behind him, but we've Callaway's had this happen three times
0: now where he's had his hands on passes and not corralled them and they've ended up being
1: intercepted. Mm -hmm. That's Three or two because I think Coleman did something like that in the Indiana game. Coleman
0: did it in the Indiana game where he had the long pass, it was underthrown. He sh- should have caught it, and it, you know ends up he falls down, yeah. bounces up. Is it like,
1: really happening? Jimmy Calloway three, three times? times. It
0: happened in the Georgia Tech game, the very first game. It happened against somebody oh else. God. Maybe Murray State. I think it is the, the the first interception, not the one at the end of the half, was off Calloway's hands They got picked. That's and right. Yeah. In, in, in this game, uh, it happened as well. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's, there's clearly a little bit of a lack of, I mean, when you're a receiver, you got to whip that head around on those short routes, expecting the ball to be right there. I mean, your job is in your position title, receive. Yeah. He's, <laughs> I mean, I, I think Plummer is, I used the exact phrase on Monday, like he is what he is. And at some point, you mm-hmm. can't expect him to be more than that. Yeah. Like he, he is not, he's not going to go out there and just suddenly be Caleb Williams. He's going to be a guy that has limitations, a guy that you brought here to understand the offense and to run it effectively. I think the one thing that he's got to do, if we're going to have a four and one or five and zero or whatever your goal is for the the last part of this season, the glaring mistakes have to stop. That's really it. Like he, I mean, he threw for three hundred fifty yards against Pitt. He moved the ball effectively against Pitt, but the fumble I thought was unforgivable. And I know Matt saying. At the interceptions, you can say they weren't really his fault. I think even the the though the Jamari got bumped off the route, it wasn't a, a great throw. It would have been a little bit behind him. That stuff, that stuff has to get nipped in the butt. And if he can do that, it, it, I, I think when you have Jack Plummer cutting out the glaring mistakes, what you get is the Jack Plummer that we saw against Notre Dame, where he's an effective game manager. I mean, that was the big thing that he did was when there was a pass rush in his face, or when everybody was covered, got rid of the ball. Or when he was going down, just took the sack. Didn't try to do too much. And it, like his numbers weren't great. He was like 17 of 24 for 155 mm-hmm. and, and a touchdown. We beat Notre Dame by 13 points. A, 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 well, I think we find out after last week, a really good Notre Dame team. That's what we need from him. We don't need him to be
1: more than he is. Yeah, Being, being more efficient with the football is arguably more important than having gaudy passing uh, yeah. yardage numbers. Because, I mean, yeah, if you throw for 300, 400, I mean, it's cool. But if you went, like, 24, 45 with also a couple of interceptions in the mix, I mean, how truly efficient were you? Whereas, as you go, like, like Jack went, I think it was like 12, 17 for 25 for yeah. I don't know. 150 or something. I mean, yeah, the yardage numbers isn't there, but you're making sound decisions. You're taking care of the football, which is what we kind of need jack to be right now because i mean the arm strength is kind of hit or miss there it looked phenomenal against boston college but then i think that was like more now that we have our three games removed from that that was probably more of an anomaly than anything because i i thought that was going to be what was what we should have expected Plummer to be heading into the season because from what i saw in spring and in the fall it looked like he did have good arm strength on him but like as the season has kind of unfolded up to this point Maybe it wasn't as great as I thought I saw, especially how in the first what three games of the season he was just putting so much air under it and just being yeah. a tick late with some of his decision making. I mean, he's he was throwing half of his deep balls are moon balls. As a people, so, uh, the, the best ex-
0: description I've seen of it is it looks like he's tapping the control in a football game instead of holding down the button. Like yeah. it, it, a lot yeah. of these throws, I'm just like, damn, they just they're not coming down. Uh-huh. This was a pop fly to deep center. I think the frustration that a lot of people have with Jack and with Jeff, in turn, based on last week's game, is that the good thing about the makeup of this team compared to to Jeff's teams at Purdue was that it felt more, it felt less upset prone because you didn't need to go out and throw the ball fifty five times to win games. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to win every game, forty nine to forty five. Like the strengths of this team so far have been the running game on offense and the overall defense, and so. With that being the case, you felt like, you know, even though you're going up to pit and the the weather's going to play a factor and the field's going to play a factor and all that good stuff, we should be able to run the ball against them and we should be able to stop them on, on defense. And for the most part, the defense did a good job. We held them under 300 yards. We had 130 consecutive games when holding opponents under 300 yards. Mm-hmm. That got snapped last weekend. And, you know, we even without Jawar Jordan, Maurice Turner was running the ball effectively. Isaac Rendell, when he was holding on to the ball was was getting chunks on, on obvious running downs. And Plummer for the most part, in the, in the early stages of the game, was making the right decisions, and we were moving the ball effectively. And it, like we didn't need to throw the ball. I know fifty-two is is overinflated because of the last few drives, but we didn't need to throw the ball thirty-five times.
1: See, I'm glad you bring that up because I think I might have figured out why they opted to pass the ball so often. And I didn't really notice how pedestrian Louisville was in this area of the field until I went looking for it after the pit game. Looking at like. PFF stats like Louisville's not been great at run blocking for really? some reason yeah I mean it, it it sounds weird to say because you know Jaws is doing what he's doing and from what we've seen out of Isaac and Maurice Turner I mean you would think that you know the offensive line is bulldozing massive holes for them but then I did try and watch that film against Pitt with the intent of watching on run blocking it was eh, kind of not that great and then when I go really? on to PFF and I see, okay, what's the run blocking? It's overall, it's a 63. 60 is average. It's by far, in terms of like the categories that Pro Football Focus has separated, it's by far Louisville's worst mark. I think they're like in the 60s out of the 128 teams in the uh, in the FBS. And then when you break it down by the linemen, you look at the six main guys in the rotation. You know, Michael, Brian, Eric, William, and Renato, and then Austin, who's kind of been doing a lot of subs for Renato because he's been kind of hit or miss. No. They've all been excellent. Excellent in pass block. I think all of them have a grade, well, most all but one have a grade of 75 or higher, which 70 is above average, so in between 70 and 80 is really good. Only Michael and Brian have grades above a 62. Hmm. And even, even then, like Michael's got a grade of 64.4, Brian's got a grade of 66.8. That's just like... Eh, and then Eric fifty eight point two, Willie sixty two point one, Renato sixty point one, Austin fifty nine point three. I mean, if the if the offensive line and you've got your top back out isn't doing that great of a job blocking for the guys that you do have, I can kind of understand Brahms' rationale of throwing it more because they're doing so much better as it pertains to pass blocking. So I mean, interesting, which. It, it it certainly bewildered me because I I didn't expect this at all. I just kind of assumed that they were fantastic in that because when I see Jaws break off explosive runs, I can only come to the conclusion like, okay, yeah, he's got good breakaway speed, but I'm sure he had to, he had that hole first and foremost. But maybe that's probably a testament to how good Jaws has been because the run blocking has been kind of average slash pedestrian. Interesting point.
0: I I mean I again my untrained football eye, uh, you know I, I'm seeing. Holes. I'm seeing jawar Jordan hit them. I'm seeing you know big runs, and I'm thinking, good. They're they're doing their job. They're doing well. I didn't think I I knew from the first couple of games that Pro Football Focus had graded uh, the two tight ends. Their run blocking is very poor. Kariski and and Josh lifson I I didn't realize that they had been consistent with the offensive line not blocking all that well.
1: The tight ends have been
0: terrible at blocking, straight up. Yeah, I mean we 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 need an upgrade at that position for sure. Uh, I'm not sure if Joey Gatewood's ready to step into a starring role. or, or yeah. I mean, Johnson yet, I don't want to
1: throw a player under the bus, but I mean, while we're on this topic, I'm going to bring it up. Josh Lifson, his, just his pass block This is grades. a pro-Lifson radio show, for the record. <laughs> we love Josh. Uh, 60 for pro football focus grades is average. Josh Lifson's run block grade,
0: 42.2. I don't believe pro football focus.
1: Pass block grade, 38.5. I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> they, they, they have no idea what football is. <laughs> they, they don't know what they're even looking for. I don't, I don't trust him.
0: We love Josh Lifson. But yeah, we could We could stand. That was the one posi, posi, position that I think they were looking to upgrade through the transfer portal in the offseason, and they really just couldn't find a guy. And, and I think that that will be, hopefully Jamari Johnson can develop. Hopefully you know some of the guys that we have on the roster right now will get better. But I do think that will be a position of emphasis moving forward for the staff when they hit the offseason because they, they need an upgrade there for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, look, Lifson was a, came here as a walk-on from KCD. Right. He's like, he's done well for himself to get on the field, but he, to use the check phrase, he is what he is at some point, and you could use a little bit of an upgrade there. Uh, all right, let's take a break. When we come back, Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Your thoughts? We have not hit the text line up today. We'll do that after the break. It's the Mike Rutherford Show, Friday edition here on 1450 and 96.1. The Big X.
11: Genesis Diamonds. At Genesis, we are obsessed with providing the best of the best in value and quality, which is why we partnered with the finest designers and brands in the business. Whether it's a bracelet, necklace, earrings, and of course, engagement ring, you will give the love of your life a piece of jewelry that she will cherish forever we have designer settings in every price range and style made to fit your specific diamond so you don't need to buy a cookie cutter mass-produced design that looks like you were just trying to cut costs most of the designer pieces are exclusive to Genesis in Kentucky Anna because they select only the finest jewelers in the business to partner with and so you won't see her ring on every other woman's hand our designers share our obsession for quality so the ring you. You buy her will last a lifetime her lifetime free warranty ensures that you won't even pay for maintenance come to genesis and let us show you our extensive collections in fine designer jewelry and experience the genesis difference for yourself
5: jason here with AirServe and i have an offer you can't refuse for this month only get a complete system installed for only 69.95 this is not a gimmick and there are no hitting costs That's right. Get a complete system for $69.95 installed. Hurry up and call today to set up your appointment before we are totally booked. Go to AirServe.com and schedule your appointment today. Remember, stay cool, stay comfortable, stay AirServe.
4: Check out Thornton's all-new Southern Style Biscuits. The perfect complement to your morning breakfast sandwich. You will love the buttery goodness that will wake up your taste buds in the morning. Come on in and grab a breakfast sandwich today. Looking for an icy cold thirst quencher to keep your day going in the right direction? Well, right now, all 32-ounce fountain drinks and smaller are only 89 cents. You heard it right, only 89 cents. So come in today and grab a fountain drink from Thornton's. Honey Baked Ham in New Albany is the perfect spot for a healthy alternative to fast food. They provide a variety of freshly made sandwiches as well as salads and delicious soups, and you can dine in or take it to go. They also have many dinner options such as ham, turkey, frozen sides, and desserts, which provide a complete meal. Catering is also available for small groups or large gatherings. Call Honey Baked Ham today, 812-941-9426 or visit them 3602 Northgate Corp. Court, Suite 23 in New Albany. Paul's Alignment and Brake,
6: the auto repair shop you can trust. We've been here since 1982, servicing and repairing vehicles to keep you on the road and safe. We offer services for all makes and models. We also offer fleet services, free brake and A.C. inspections, and for a limited time, we're offering a free 42-point inspection. We have the best price on alignments in the area. Located at 1006 Applegate Lane in Clarksville, Indiana, 8 minutes from downtown Louisville.
10: Matt Dennison here, inviting you to join me weekdays at 11 a.m. for the Hoosier Report. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers, interviews with prominent figures in Kentuckiana sports, and discussion of other sports topics important to southern Indiana. That's the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Weekdays at 11 a.m. on the Home for the Hoosiers, 1450 WXVW. When it comes to cabinets,
0: appliances, furniture, audio, and video, nobody does it like Century Entertainment and Furnishing. Listen to what these very satisfied customers had to say.
6: This is Jennifer, and we could not be happier with our outdoor sound system that Century installed for us. It is very user-friendly, and we love it. Thank you, Century. Hi, this is David. Century did my security system, cabinets, and entertainment system. The work is very
0: high quality, and the customer service is top-notch. Visit Century at their beautiful state-of-the-art showroom at 4310 Shelbyville Road or at CenturyLiving.com.
12: Well, I won't back
4: down. No, I won't back down.
2: You can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back
0: down. No, I, won't I saw Tom Petty it was trending about something today, and I didn't have the Enough interest to click on what it was. Because usually, my, my, one of my big problems now with the new X, one of the many problems, is when there is mm-hmm. something trending, it, it, it's, it's impossible to find out why. You click yeah. on it, and there's just, like, it used to be, like, the top few tweets would like, tell you, like, oh, this person said something terrible, or this person died, or this person has a new movie coming out. And now you click on it, and you've got no idea why this person is even trending. So, like, I, I see Tom Petty. I'm curious. I enjoy Tom Petty, um, and, and I don't see anything why. So I don't even click on it anymore. But anyway, shout out to Tom Petty. We love you. All right, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. We got Matt McGavick in here uh, in studio from Louisville Report. If you got questions for Matt, hit us up. Uh, we'll take some 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 text now. Uh, Texture says, going back to my boo at the zoo, <laughs> if someone yells mother bleeper at their six-year-old, I'm definitely judging. No questions asked. I, I was. Ju- I, I said I don't judge. That's how I did the precursor. I was certainly judging at that point in time. This was like Thirty seconds after we got to the zoo too. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, setting the tone for the the entire night. But it was uh it, it was a lot. Can only go up from
1: there. Yeah.
0: Texture says, uh team chemistry on Wednesday night in the exhibition game was horrible once again. Way too much one on one play where a player would try to beat his defender to the basket. What happened to passing the ball until you find the one shot? The defense wasn't great either.
1: See, I think the there were segments where yeah, the chemistry did look like that. But I think when they were when they didn't look completely terrible, like that 24 to one segment in the um, the first half, and then like that 10 minute segment where they surprisingly didn't turn the ball over, I thought they looked really they looked really cohesive and they actually looked like a unit on both ends of the floor. So I, I'll, I'll give a, l- a little bit of pushback on that. But again, like we said earlier, there should this should this was a game where they shouldn't have had any bad stretches at all.
0: I actually yeah I mean I. I, I kind of disagree with the too much one-on-one. I actually think their biggest problem in the, the, the first few segments was they were making too much of a concerted effort to do the whole we need this many passes, we need the ball to constantly move. It felt like guys weren't – like people were almost afraid to shoot because they didn't yeah. want to be the one that screwed up and drew the ire of the head coach or the ire of the fan base. And I, I think we were almost overpassing to a point. And when we settled down and just kind of started you know, playing and, and feeding off their turnovers and taking the open shots when they were there – the team looked like they should against Simmons College. So See,
1: my biggest bugaboo with Kenny Payne's overall philosophy of pass, 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 and only shoot the ball whenever you've hit so many passes is that when you're driving and you've got a wide open shot, take the shot. I yeah. mean, like if you're passing like at that point just because you haven't hit the quote-unquote pass quota – I mean, that's that's pretty much, that's almost serving as a detriment to the team. I mean, if you got the open shot and you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you can make that shot, take the shot. Or at least have a high percentage shot. For sure.
0: And my biggest issue with the Kenny Payne defensive philosophy is that I still don't know what it is.
1: (laughs) That's very true.
0: I still have, have no idea. But hopefully we find out very soon. Texture says, can someone tell me how KP recruiting is coming along? And then sends in the SpongeBob GIF of the I never really watched SpongeBob. Is it Squidward who's like Louisville fans? He's like watching through the window of SpongeBob oh, yeah, yeah, as as yeah. celebrating. He's mm-hmm. like Louisville fans waiting for all of these recruits we were promised, and then UK just rolling along. I'm assuming. That, I mean, has Boogie Flan announced? I know he's yeah, he, he, going, he, he, know he's going to UK. Yeah, yeah. We had the the news yesterday that Carter Knox, the the five-star prospect from the 2024 class, has announced that he's down to four options: Kentucky, Louisville, South Florida, and G League. And look, I don't want to I don't want to be Mister Just Negative here, but it certainly sounds as if Louisville is is not a realistic contender here. No, it sounds like it's basically he's going to go to Kentucky or he's going to go to the G League. So, yeah, the twenty twenty four, there's no way to spin it. The twenty twenty four recruiting class has not gone well for U of L. They've got I TJ don't. Robinson, who I feel like I always have to say this. I do think is going to be a good college player. Yes, but, but he is by his ranking. He's like 123 in, in the consensus rankings or something like that. And he's their only commit. And he's their only commit. And the other two guys that they have, they have five scholarships out there to uncommitted players. One's Carter Knox. who's like he, he ain't coming here. Um, the other two rated prospects probably aren't coming here either. In fact, I think one of them has already taken Louisville off of his.
1: Billy Richmond, yeah. Yeah, he,
0: he, he cut Louisville last week. And then you've got the two kids that everybody was upset that we offered because their their only other scholarship offers are to a bunch of mid major yeah. programs. Yeah, and
1: then the other guys, the other guy that you mentioned is Bryson Tucker. I Thank don't, you. Which I don't even know like what the status is there. I've heard it's not
0: great. It, yeah, well, you is, know.
1: is my understanding. And
0: look, if, even if you hadn't heard that, the de facto response should be like, I'm pretty sure it's not good, it's not great based on what's happened so far. So we are once again left in a position where either Kenny Payne needs to return all the players from this year's team and look, maybe that's what his intention is. He wants to to build the program the right way. He wants continuity. Mm -hmm. I think it's unrealistic in this day and age, but maybe he knows something I don't. Or, we're once again for a third straight year talking about, hey, he's got to kill it in the transfer portal. And it's, he hasn't wanted to do that as much as we would have liked the last two seasons. Maybe that changes in year three. Who
1: knows? Which, I mean, they they did do well in the transfer portal with getting, you know, Sky and Trey. So, I mean, there's optimism there, but one of the biggest pros when it came to hiring Kenny Payne was his ability to recruit and the yeah. relationships that he's developed with all this high school talent. His ability to, to grab blue-chip high school talent, not only just grab them, but grab them by the boatload. Because, I mean, he played a hand in some of the best recruiting recruiting, recruiting excuse me classes in Kentucky's history, and it seemed like we've not seen anything close to that. I mean, he's gotten... Involved with some guys, but in terms of the involvement, it doesn't seem like it gets anywhere. Look, it wasn't
0: one of the one of the biggest pros when you brought Kenny Payne in here. It was the The, biggest pro that you were like that that was the that was the give and the take with with hiring a guy who's never been head coach before. The, The what we knew was that this guy was going to get us players. We were going to have recruiting classes the likes of which we've never seen before. The question was, can he do anything with all that talent? And I mean, maybe it's just because he maybe he got here at just the exact wrong time. Because he gets here right when NIL becomes a thing, right when the, the 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 one-time transfer rule goes into effect, right when the transfer portal becomes a bigger deal than it was. the The timing has been bad, but we have not seen, like you said, we we have not seen the level of recruiting that we thought we were getting when we hired Kenny Payne. I mean, not, I'm not trying to just totally thumb my nose at a. Uh, Top ten recruiting class, which is what this year's right. class was. It, was. it was impressive that he got the players that he did, but we were led to believe that we were going to have our pick of the the, the five star talent out there. Like yeah. may, you know, maybe you're not going to get all the kids that want kids to go to Kentucky or go, or go to Duke, but you're going to have a couple five stars in every class. You, you, yeah. You're going to have that kid who's number twelve in the class and, and the kid who's number twenty two, and that just has not happened yet, and it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of positive momentum on that front yeah, moving forward.
1: Not, not only has it not happened, there's not even the hope that it's going to happen at yeah. this point. Which is, I mean, it's it's one thing if you're striking out in your first recruiting class, like at the helm, but now that we're a year and a half after him being hired, and there's been very little, you know, buzz or traction about, you know, five stars down the line, say for Trenton Flowers, who doesn't even hear anymore what do you really have to look forward to on the recruiting trail at this point?
0: I mean, all we heard for the first however many months was the NCA cloud, the NCA cloud, the NCA cloud, NCA cloud's gone. Mm-hmm. And we are operating under no negative recruiting outside of you know, coaches being like that guy can't win. Th- like this should be when the program is thriving from a recruiting yeah. standpoint. And it simply is not happening. I mean, we're, we're not getting kids on campus. Like, like, When's the last time you heard about a big time prospect visiting UofL? Oh,
1: I know Jalen Shelley visited in March or something, but I mean, it's I mean, been a while. He's, he's good. He's not five star good, but it's, I mean, he, he was a four star guy who ended up committing to Arkansas. Yeah. But, yeah. Because they all do. Any that we the want the must somebody, bus is like 500 feet long.
0: It's unbelievable how many guys go to every time. Like, like there'll be players that I'm like, oh yeah, I kind of remember that name being on our radar from five months ago, and he's committing to Arkansas that day. Whether it's a transfer or a recruit <laughs> or one of our own players, it's like it, I don't know what Must is doing, but he's he's loading up, and they're going to be good again this year. Uh, Texture says five four two four one four four two fifty. How do we feel about the WKU multi logo helmets? I'm love not sure is love, what the texture
1: says. Love it. I love. Th- I mean, if you haven't seen this, it, 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 like
0: WKU is busting out next week. These they, they have the matte black helmets with a variety of big red logos on them. They all they look cool. Each position group is going to wear a different helmet design. They have big reds eyes right above the 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 front of the helmet too, which is cool. And then a bunch of diff- different big red. The designs are awesome. Oh, they have Heisman Big Red, which looks very much like the Cardinal does, Heisman yeah. Bird, which is fine. The idea of having different players wearing different helmets is, it, it's weird. It feels like a Pro Bowl to me. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. it's being too old man.
1: Maybe. I, I love it. I love seeing Big Red hunched over as an offensive lineman. I love seeing Big Red back, dropping back throwing the football. Big Red, you know, dropping back in cup. Co- Can you imagine Big Red dropping back in coverage? <laughs> <laughs> that I've actually said it's that out visual. Loud. Yeah. I I like it. I I'm I'm always someone who loves to see the next like thing in terms of like uniforms. I mean, I like Oregon's uniform design and what too. they do. I mean, they go with a new design literally every week, so I mean, it's kind of hard to keep up with what they do. But I digress. I unless you're constantly coming up with something really ugly. I mean, keep keep thinking of new alternate. I'm honestly a little bit disappointed that I haven't seen Louisville take advantage of more alternate designs. Like I would love to see it. I mean, I'm not going to knock on the classics cause I love the classics, but I mean, experiment a little bit. We've had the new helmets this year, which has
0: been nice. The last two weeks we've gone more of the, the classic, but the first four games, I think we used four different helmets, which was cool. I mean, I, I remember hearing from people at U when we re-upped with Adidas, not, not the most recent time, but I guess two times ago when it was a a, a legitimate thought that maybe we could go to Nike and they were kind of targeting us. And there was a little bit of a back and forth. When we first signed the huge deal where Adidas made us their most paid program, you know, the, the, the thought and the talk coming out of the U of Oprah was like, we're going to be Adidas's Oregon. Like, like we're willing to, you know, we're not a traditional power football program that has, you know, like, like Michigan will have a problem wearing different helmets or Penn State, or whatever. you know, like we don't, we don't care. Like we change our uniforms pretty much every year. So why not change them every week? And that, has not happened we've had some funky designs but we haven't had the whole they have they have clearly not made us their organ
1: bring back murder bird that's all i'm gonna say i love the murder bird I love the I murder like, bird it was so bad it was good that, that's that's my take on it I, see I, I just liked it because i liked it i didn't think i didn't like it because it was
0: bad oh i bought that shirt in like two seconds i, <laughs> I was like this is uh, yeah no I, I still have it somewhere it doesn't fit anymore but it was it was an easy purchase Texture says I, i'm very glad Matt's on me too. I, I want to hear some college football talk today. Give me your most surprising teams, good and bad. Give me your best matchups of the weekend. And will Scott Satterfield get fired if they lose to Baylor? <laughs> now, 530 we are going to do our, our picks. Well, Matt will fill in for for Tra- Trevor and we'll do our-, our picks of the biggest games of the weekend. It's a weird weekend too because we have no, like none of the local teams are playing. Western already played this week. UK and UofL uh, are both off. So it's, it's going to be all national and then we'll do the, the high school game of the week. But Surprising team this year, good and bad in college football, go.
1: I'm going to say surprising good is Missouri because I thought that Missouri was going to be, you know, solid, like a, a decent, you know, middle of the pack SEC team. But Brady Cook has looked amazing. Luther Burden is probably one of the best wide receivers in all of college football. He is unbelievable. So just like, having them at 6-1 and one is not something I anticipated. I mean, I honestly am shocked they lost to LSU because I thought they were going to beat LSU's brains and, and instead the opposite happened.
0: This is going to be like a, a weird surprise pick because it's a name that you expect to be where they are right now, but I'm surprised Oklahoma is 6-0 and ranked number six. Yeah. I, I kind of thought that Brent Venables was sort of a weird fit there and that they were going to have uh, they were going to do the, the what where I think Clemson's going to become now, where it's they have a bunch of good seasons but never a great season. Like they're nine and three, ten and two, maybe occasionally an eight and four. I thought that's what Oklahoma was going to be this year, and they've been damn good. They, you know, they, they they're flirting with the playoff. They're still unbeaten. Mm-hmm. For my underachieving team, surprise bad team, this was actually my team that I picked for the preseason to to win it all. I, I picked LSU. I thought this was going to be a weird. You know, LSU has those once every five six years where they're just they go from being really damn good to like mm-hmm. elite of the elite and you have like the Joe Burrow team that that thumped Clemson in the title game back in 2020 like i i, I thought this was going to be one of those random off years where they could win it all they are not that good the defense mm-hmm. has been abhorrent uh, they score a ton of points they can't stop anybody they're fine like they're still going to finish 9 and 3 or whatever they are but they are very clearly not a, a top 5 team i've been disappointed
1: them yeah i honestly think uh my disappointing team is probably Kansas State. I mean, they're the reigning Big Twelve okay. champions, and I thought they're going to have another really good year. I know they, they lose. Um, what was it, Deuce Vaughn? There is that the was that their uh, really short running back? Is that right? I feel like that's not right, but I feel like it, I can't think of who else it I would be. Either. But anyways, I mean, they end up losing at Missouri, which isn't that that surprising because Missouri is good. But then they yeah, Deuce lost lost at Oklahoma State, who is not good at all. No, and so I, I I thought they had a chance to be like five and one or six no at this point, and they're four and two. I mean, they're still a 500 team, but I mean, I I honestly expect them to be a bigger player in the in the uh, Big Twelve up to this point. It is a it, it's a big Scott a big
0: spot for Scott Satterfield this big weekend. Scott. <laughs> big Scott, big Scott, baby. I don't think anybody's ever called Scott Satterfield Big Scott. It's never been a nickname that's come up uh, for him, but you know they are favored this weekend against a Baylor team that has been an underachiever. This feels like, I mean, I don't want to say must-win game because it's a Cincinnati team that came into the season with lowered expectations. But the four new Big 12 teams, the, the Cincinnati, BYU, Houston, and which, who am I blanking on? Uh, UCF. UCF. Yeah, They are 2-10 in Big 12 play so far this year. They have been woeful. Baylor at home is a game that I'm sure UC feels like they should be able to get. And if they lose, then I think that the all of the, we hired the wrong guy, I can't believe that we did this, this is so dumb, talk uh, up there in the Queen City is going to continue for uh, for the rest of the season. I mean, they've
1: already lost to Miami of Ohio at home, so, I mean. we he didn't like championship trophies. That's no, that's I fine. He can win conference games. I will say, every, though, a few. I didn't expect them to hold Oklahoma to only 20 points. Now, they, they only scored six against them, which, I mean, it's it's Oklahoma. Their defense is their bread and butter, and they're in the kind of – headed up by one of the best defensive minds in college football so that's not surprising but I was a little bit surprised that they were able to you know kind of stymie Dylan Gabriel and company but I mean that's as much of a compliment as I'll give him at this point that was a classic Saturday game that game reminded me of the when
0: we lost 12-7 to Notre Dame oh yeah in that uh, it's a covid year where it's like how are we like we were driving the ball on them and then when we just you know we would do stupid stuff and get penalties and then yeah he'd be conservative in his play calling and just like that Cincinnati fans were having the same feeling. They outgained Oklahoma in that game. Like they, they should have. They had a number of red zone opportunities, and that's kind of been their thing. By the way, to follow up on that, the 2-10 and 10 record for the newbies in Big 12 play, one of those wins was BYU over Cincinnati. So they were guaranteed to get another win. <laughs> and the only other game they've won was the Houston-West Virginia Hail Mary from last week. Was it really? Yeah, so oh, God. They've been bad in conference play so far. Uh, Texter says, I think we've got to give this team some slack on the bad start. Uh, this is, I'm assuming exhibition game. First time out there in the YUM or any major college arena will make most players nervous, and these players no fans and everyone are going to be very judgmental of them, so there are likely some self-fulfilling prophecy demons in their heads. I am concerned about the defense, though. It was terrible. Hopefully that will get a lot better soon. I, mean, I do think it's a legitimate point to say that it is the first game for anybody, and you've got only really what four real returning contributors from last year's team. So you've got a lot of guys that are playing in that arena for the first time. A handful, although I mean, like you know, the guys who maybe play the best were the freshmen. So it's I know. it kind of goes against it, but for the start, maybe you could say that they felt the tension. I, th- I think also you feed off of your overall coach's five a lot. Mm-hmm. I think it's the biggest reason why we always played so poorly against Kentucky when Rick Pitino was here. I, I think that he was a guy who, look, he's demanding, he, he he's insane behind the scenes, but you put up with it as a player or as an assistant because you knew that like. The man got results. So you, you trusted. Like, when he's going nuts on you, I've got to listen. I've got to do what he says because he, he has success. Like, clearly he knows what he's talking about. I, I think that the – and I've heard from players who said this. Like, his vibe was so different going into the Kentucky game because he worked himself up into such a frenzy. Mm-hmm. That he, he wasn't trying to, to to be any different than he usually was, but he couldn't help himself. And, and the players, I think that made them nervous. I think they tensed up in those games. And, and we just – they didn't play loose. They didn't have the same attention to detail because they realized – however much he might be trying to hide it, how much this game means to him and how desperate he was to win it. And I think you probably have a little bit of that with the players where like, Kenny Payne feels the pressure, whether or not he admits it. Like, I think he has to know what the conversation is here locally and, and yeah. nationally to a lesser degree. And I'm sure that the players probably feel that too. Like If you're going out there and, and you you like your head coach, which I'm assuming most of them do, like, you want to go out there and, and you want to save his job if you have the mm-hmm. – the, and they're tasked with doing that. So it, yeah, I, I can see why they may come out a little bit tight for their first game, especially after losing the first exhibition game last year. Texas says we got positive vibes. We're right at the midpoint uh, of the season. Seven games down, seven to, to go, five games, ACC title game, and then the bowl game. I like that positive vibe. Yeah, no.
1: I mean, it's it's still on the table for sure. I mean, they've got a little bit of an uphill climb, and they do need a little bit of help. But I mean, it's it's definitely not been shelved. It's it's very much a possibility. Yeah, I mean, you know, you. I'm excited to get kind of into the
0: tiebreakers as time goes on. As long as we, <laughs> if we can win against Duke, then I think you you get back into the mode of like, okay, what do we need UNC yeah. to do? What do we need? Look, UNC's got a big one this weekend against. Um, um, well, they take back? They don't have a big one this weekend. They play Virginia. That's going to be a no. But they do have a. it will be a big one for Virginia. It's a big one for Virginia. <laughs> Uh, I was thinking they had played Miami. That was last weekend. Miami's got Clemson this weekend. We need Virginia to lose it, or we need UNC to lose a couple times. But, again, we'll cross that bridge after we take care of Duke. That If, if you don't beat Duke, it doesn't matter. One game season. <laughs> One game season. <laughs> text says, Dane Key is coming to Louisville, question mark, question mark, question mark. No. Is it? Oh. No. This is the – because I put that – I threw that fire out there yesterday with the receiver of the tree. I did have somebody okay. text me, like, "Is it people are saying it's Dane Key. And I'm like, I, I'm, I can't tell you who it is not game. texas aiden mccool is great for nil because of the fact that 69 degrees is the best temperature to have in the house get him to air serve hamburger and grape snow cone can be thrown in somehow <laughs> all of the euphemisms from yesterday's show we appreciate that i did like that the highlight video ended with the the solo shot of aiden mccool on the court from the other night where yes. he's, like, he's just like directing traffic out there for a split second i'm a big mccool guy i, I wish he would change his uh it's number to 69, because a 69 McCool jersey would be a must-have. Texas says, win or lose against UK, I'm pretty sure L fans are going to be satisfied going into the off season. I know the game is going to be much more competitive than it's been the last five years. Also, L fans and UK fans know that Braum is a game-changer, and this rivalry is going to swing back in our direction. Coaching matters, and we have one now. I think you're giving the fan base maybe a <laughs> little too much credit when it comes to uh, being rational about the rivalry no. game. I and mean, we had fans that, that you know, I, I made the Patino comparison earlier where, you know, if we went like 10-2 and two this year with a loss to UK, it would be like those basketball seasons as opposed to the, the last few years where it's like this could really propel our season and save us because we're already 7-4 and four or 6-5 and five or what have right. you. I mean, there were some fans that were like, this is unacceptable from Rick Patino. I mean, there were some fans that, that whenever they put the, the list together of reasons to fire Rick before the 2012 Final Four, which I always thought was absurd. They would say like his inability to, to beat UK played a factor in all that. And like I mean this game it it matters a lot around here. I don't know if you yeah. you've, you've you've heard this, but people talk
2: about it a lot.
1: No, this is breaking news to me. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it, it, it 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 matters. It's, it might matter a little bit too much to some, but I mean it's it's there's no doubt this game carries more weight than any other game. Even more than Notre Dame probably. I think also you can't just
0: overlook the fact that we've lost four in a row now. We've never yeah. lost five in a row to them since the the series was renewed in 94. And that grates at people. It grates at me. Like, I'm, I'm not sitting here painting the fan base in, in, in a light that I'm not standing in myself. Like, I am very sick of losing to Kentucky. I, I am very ready to start winning that game again and to shut those dudes up. Yeah. And, like, it, it, because of that, I feel like it. you'd think that it would matter more to us than it would to them. But then you look over at UK right now and you realize, like, you've got some unsatisfied customers over there as well. And if they lose a couple more games, I mean, they've got Tennessee up next, who they really hate losing to, mm-hmm. and they feel like Tennessee is maybe more gettable than they thought they were going to be coming into the season. Like, If they lose that game and they lose it convincingly, you're going to have some people who are like, are we really ever going to take the next step with Stoops? And that talk's going to continue. No. And then if you lose to UK, if they lose to UVL for the first time since since Lamar Jackson was here, it's we're regressing as a program. We thought we were, we were close to that next step and the reality is we're actually going backwards like
1: it's going to be a big deal for them as well. Yeah. I'm, I mean I remember seeing a, a poll on Twitter I think it was last week like for Louisville fans would you rather Louisville go 11 and 1 with a loss to Kentucky or 9 and 3 with a win over Kentucky? Yeah. Like and it was and close. It was close. Yeah.
0: I we, the question came up on our show too when that when it started circulating. Okay, okay well what was it? Like I don't know. I said 11 and 1. I I, but I agree. I had to think about it though. For like, like I was like it would suck. It would be terrible, but you have to take the the conference championship berth. Yes. And in that hypothetical, if we had, you know, depending on how the chips would have fallen throughout the rest of the country, you know, you're, you're in a situation where if you go 11-1 and one and you beat an undefeated Florida State team in the conference championship, you yeah. still would have an outside yeah. shot at going to the playoffs. Yeah. At minimum, you're going to the Orange Bowl. Yeah, exactly. At very minimum, you're going to the Orange Bowl. Don't get me wrong, it would suck. <laughs> but in 1998, when Kentucky lost to a 12-win Louisville basketball team but won the national title... Was it annoying to have, you know, little snot-nosed Mike Rutherford being like, congrats, you won the national title, but you're second in the state? Yeah, I'm sure it was. But would they have traded spots with us? Absolutely not. No. like You take you take the titles, you take the conference championships, especially in this situation where we're a program that has not been, like, we, we haven't breathed that air all that often. We, have, hell, I mean, we haven't played for a conference championship since we moved to the ACC at all. Texas says, well, Mike, I think the athletic Rutherford ancestors and the white Rutherford ancestors might have had some type of working relationship back in the 1600s. Don't put that on me.
1: (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) He said it, not me. Don't do that.
0: Texas says, Matt, I love your work. I mean, McGavick's getting all the love on the text line. I'm getting, yeah. Thank you, text line. Much appreciated. Can you do me a favor and set your tweets during the game to not post for thirty seconds so <laughs> I don't have to mute you during games? I've had to do this to you before too. Uh,
1: yeah, no, you're you're not the first person to tell me that. And
0: the, the only good thing is when it's a positive and I'm like really nervous for a big play, I'm like, okay. I'm 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 glad I saw it. But when I see a negative thing, I'm like, son of a bitch. Of a bitch come on. You are so far ahead of me. Yeah, three, no, right?
1: I I I've I've had a lot of people tell me that and uh to my response, no. I mean, sorry.
0: The only time that <laughs> when I do, I feel like the, the one time that I definitely see it that I always remember is when there's like a, a review of something. Yeah. And I'll, I'll see it. I feel like it's always your Twitter where it's like call stands. Like I, I, I saw it for the, the, the non-overturned Kevin Coleman catch. The, the overturned Kevin Coleman catch. Yeah. So I, I hadn't even seen it on the broadcast. And like I saw it on your Twitter. And I was like, you've got to be kidding. I'm like, he had to have been wrong. I, I, like, I've got to see this from the CW myself
1: to make sure that they they're actually right. Mm-hmm. But I do
0: feel like you're always ahead of the, the game when it comes to the replay reviews.
1: My my biggest fear is that there there was like one of those type of like call stands or over overturn type things and I I did screw it up because I cuz I had it like pre-typed and I hit enter instead of hitting delete. And so that went out into the universe and everyone who's got my notifications turned on saw something wrong and I'm like, "Oh god, I got to change that." But yeah, that's happened to me before. So that's fun. All right, we're going to break. When we come back, 5 o'clock hour
0: is up next. We'll take some more text from you guys in the first segment. Then we'll make our picks of the week in the second segment. It's Brother Mike Rutherford Show, Friday edition here on 1450 The Big Guys.
4: Sports Radio, 1450 and 96.1 FM, WXCW Jeffersonville, W230CK, Jeffersonville.
6: Hello, New Albany Mayor Jeff Gahan here. It's football season in New Albany. We're behind our Bulldogs 100%. From my time playing sports at New Albany High School to today as your mayor, I am a proud New Albany High School Bulldog. So I'm asking each and every one of you to come on out and support our favorite high school, the best high school team in the state, the New Albany Bulldogs. Good luck to the coach, staff and players this season. Go Dogs!
11: Hi this is Wendy Canavan, VP at Genesis Diamonds. Shopping for an important item can be very intimidating for a lot of people, especially if it's something you have never shopped for before. At Genesis Diamonds we take pride in creating a relaxed and enjoyable environment. An engagement ring is a very big deal and we want it to be something you will both remember as one of the happiest times in your life. We will never push you or pressure you to spend more than you want to. No one is on commission. We want you to know it is fine to come in just to look. You don't have to know anything about a diamond because we will teach you. You don't have to know about designers of rings because we will show you. We won't push you into buying anything we want to sell because we have everything. We have the largest selection of beautiful diamond engagement rings and loose diamonds in Louisville and a staff of trained professionals. Add to that a free lifetime warranty, an unbeatable trade in and an absolute best price guarantee and you will see why Louisville has made Genesis the destination for buying an engagement ring.
3: Hey, I love Salsaritas, why? Flame grilled meats, house made chips, fresh made salsas. For fast takeout, office catering, or your summer celebration, try Salsaritas. Visit them at St. Matthews or in Middletown, or order online for special offers. We know to contact
8: Indiana 811 at least two working days before every dig. Contact Indiana 811 and Whiteline before every project. Learn more at 811.SafeDigIndiana.com.
3: Sponsored by the Indiana Utility Regulatory Commission and aired by this station.
7: You can't earn a college degree in 10 minutes, but you can apply for a checking account from Republic Bank in 10 minutes or less. And that's a certifiably smart decision. Enjoy free bill pay, free mobile deposit, and access to over 90,000 fee-free ATMs. Applying takes just 10 minutes or less. Easy banking begins in 10. Apply now at republicbank.com. Free ATM access at all Allpoint, MoneyPass, Sum, and Presto ATMs. Message and data rates may apply from your wireless carrier. Member FDIC. Until about 10 years ago, for any electrical work I needed at my house, I was always calling a different electrician, sometimes for the same job. Things weren't done right and they weren't done on time, but for the last 10 years, Allen Electrical has been the only one I call. The work is unparalleled, it's prompts, the team's the epitome of professionalism. (laughs) You know, when I see an Allen Electrical truck in a neighbor's driveway, I kind of smile because I know they're getting the best. Allen
8: Electrical, your electrician for life. Visit allenelectrical.com. They'll never leave you in the dark.
7: Until about 10 years ago, for any electrical work I needed at my house, I was always calling a different electrician, sometimes for the same job. Things weren't done right and they weren't done on time, but for the last 10 years, Allen Electrical has been the only one I call. The work is unparalleled. It's prompts. The team's the epitome of professionalism. (laughs) You know, when I see an Allen Electrical truck in a neighbor's driveway, I kind of smile because I know they're getting the best.
8: Allen Electrical, your electrician for life. Visit allenelectrical.com. They'll never leave you in the dark. When it
0: comes to cabinets, appliances, furniture, audio, and video, nobody does it like Century Entertainment and Furnishing. Listen to what these very satisfied customers had to say.
1: This is Jennifer, and we could not be happier with our outdoor sound system that Century installed for us. It is very user-friendly, and we love it. Thank you,
6: Century. Hi, this is David. Century did my security system, cabinets, and entertainment system. The
0: work is very high quality, and the customer service is top-notch. Visit Century at their beautiful state-of-the-art showroom at 4310 Shelbyville Road or at CenturyLiving.com. Gary, I'm liking the music today.
3: Well, thank you very much. You're doing well. This is a...
0: Great both, both you and Justin have been upgrades to, to Trevor this week.
3: <laughs> well, I
0: happen to like 80s music, too. Which I know that Trevor's going to listen to this because he was texting me listening to the podcast last night where he was just like, mm. he was reacting to something that we said on the podcast at like... He's sending me text at like 1.30 in the morning. I'm like, Trevor, come on, <laughs> man. Come on. Uh, Trevor, we'll be back on Monday. We got Gary on the ones and the twos today in the production booth. We got Matt McGavick uh, in studio talking some sports here on the Friday edition of the mike rutherford show hopefully your weekend is off to a fantastic start it is by weekend so this is the time that you look if you've got pumpkin patch demands this is the week to get those in matt McGavick, i mean you are a, a man about town typically this
1: time of the year you're, you're very busy on weekends what's a bye weekend look like for matt McGavick? well oh, there's a couple games that i do want to watch but since it is like a sports free weekend most of all, i'm just gonna hang out with uh with Kara and hang out with a couple friends, maybe for like the last time since, for the, the year since crossover season's about to say, start. You have to work like four
0: months of boyfriend duty into like two days. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's so, that's going to be fun. It's a lot. We uh, Yeah, it's we specifically scheduled my son's first birthday party for the bye weekend, which is, I mean, we're insane. But that's the you know, yeah. work requirements and fan requirements. Like Mary wants to watch the games, too. It's not just me. So his actual birthday is a week from today, the 27th, but we knew we had the Duke game. We knew there was a, you know, basketball was getting ready to go. So we, we when the schedule came out, we're like, all right, we'll do it this Saturday. Cause last year mm-hmm. we ran into the terrible predicament of there was no bye week The bye week was, was not anywhere near his birthday. And so we scheduled it for what we thought was going to be the weaker of the, the games and of course, it wound up being the top ten Wake Forest game. Oh yeah. And then we were like, okay, maybe we'll get lucky and we'll have the noon kickoff, and it can be mostly before the party, or the seven thirty kickoff, and it'll be mostly at the very end of the party. And it was three thirty, oh, right, of like, course. right smack in the middle. So mm-hmm. we're opening presents, and every time I'm opening presents, I just see my dad being like, "Oh my God, they're go like they got another one." It was like during <laughs> that third quarter, I was like, "John, hurry up!" Like so that was that was rough. But this week, this year, we avoided that. We're, we have a Halloween party tonight, John's birthday party tomorrow, and then I, I'm sure we'll do some various. Who knows? On Sunday, we'll try, try to rest, but the kids will make us do something Halloweeny. It's fine. It's it's the season. We're good with it. Um, we've got coming up in, in the second segment. We will do, even though Trevor's not here. He was supposed to send me his big X big bets the weekend, mm. and he has not yet. He's got about uh he's got about twenty minutes to make that happen. <laughs> but we do the big X big bets of the weekend. We've been remarkably successful. So much so that I feel like a crash has to be coming at some point. We've done this for three weeks since Kentucky has legalized gambling. I'm eight and one. Hmm. Coming off of two perfect back-to-back weeks, Trevor is six and three. Also coming off of two back-to-back perfect weeks, we've given you six six winners in six picks both of the last two weekends. So hopefully we can keep that going. Matt, have you uh, have you partook at all since I the, have. the gambling's I, happening?
1: I, I had a good first couple days, and ever since then it's uh, kind of gone a little downhill. It 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 almost oh, feels so. like I'm the kiss of death because I've seen. I'll see like trends and I think, "Oh yeah, this should continue." Like the um the Colorado Stanford game, I bet the Colorado money line. Oh god. And uh oh man. Yeah, that happened. That's brutal. <laughs> that's just one example. I can't think of the others off the top of my head, but that's pretty much what has happened to me. So, yeah, I'm, I'm it's been kind of rough going for the last couple of weeks.
0: So, I I've been doing I've mentioned this before, and this is not just bragging. It's just fact. I've done very well these first this first month. And I know it's fool's gold. Like I, I know this is how they get you. Because mm-hmm. I, I, it was a brief period in college where I did gamble, and it got to a point where I was like, "All right, you, you probably shouldn't be doing this anymore. You're, you don't have, you're, you're 20 years old. You don't have this much money. Let's, let's pump the brakes." And so I've, since then, I've only done horse racing. But now it's like right at your fingertips. I'm like, you know, if you, there's nothing wrong with just like a twenty dollar bet here or a ten dollar bet here, and take the free money. It's like so far, I've used all the free money they give you at the beginning, mm-hmm. and I've turned it into to profit. But I'm starting, like, now, you know, last night I get home from trick-or-treat at the zoo, and I picked, at the end of yesterday's show, I picked Marshall to upset James Madison straight up. And I see they're only down 3-0 in halftime. And I'm like, all right, I'll probably get some good odds. Live betting, money line. And so I, I bet on that. It doesn't go well. And I'm like, you know, I feel the urge, and I'm resisting it, mm-hmm. to, like, just chase. to you know lose that game, and I'm like, yeah, as Blackhawks is coming up. I feel good about the Avs winning by more than a goal, but I, I'm not making those bets. I haven't started making those just like desperate, stupid, like I'm not even going to watch this game type bets. Yeah. <laughs> but I can feel the urge starting. So I'm just having to beat that urge down and just say only bet the games that you actually have looked into that you feel confident
1: about. And let's keep the bets small. We don't need to go go crazy. Yeah, I, I bet the over on James Madison, Marshall. So <sighs> it's, it's not, not go well. No, no, twenty to nine was the final. 20, yeah. twenty to nine. Yeah, so far from the over. <laughs> that's yeah,
0: that's that's not great. But that was that was the one bet last night. But I will bet the games that I give you. Like if, if I'm putting it behind my name in the Big X Big Bet segment, I will bet it. I bet it last week. I bet Trevor's NFL picks on Sunday, and I, I made some some very good money. So we'll do that, and then we'll do our stand- um, standard standard pick'em segment, which I have now taken the lead on after Trevor's disastrous three and seven week uh, last <laughs> week. We'll do that coming up at five thirty. Uh, th- that means. A little bit of time for the Thornton's text line five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. We got to say we had another one of those segments where we read like eight texts and then like fifteen texts come in, so you end up with more than you actually had at the beginning of the segment. So we'll, we'll get to as many as we can. You got about twenty minutes left if you want to have your thoughts heard on the show at five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. Texture does say Chris Mack was getting better recruits under probation than Kenny Payne is. Ah. Uh, what did Max the? I refuse to call them the Super Six. What 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 did that first real Chris Mack class? Because it, it was top ten. I'm pretty but I don't sure it was top ten. Think like, I I don't know if it was six. What what class was that? Twenty. That would have been the 2019
1: recruiting class. I'm got it at my fingertips right now. So give me a second. It 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 had to have been up there. Twelfth. Okay. Yeah, and Sam Williamson was Wisconsin 16 American. overall. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. I mean.
0: So, no. He, Chris Mack wasn't getting better players than, than Kenny Payne was. I mean, Kenny. Like, for all that, that you can say about Kenny Payne, like he did technically get Trenton Flowers. I know we don't get to include him in our class now. Right. He got Dennis okay. Evans, who was a top 30 kid, according to basically every prognostication that was out there, every mm-hmm. ranking system that was out there. So, mm-hmm. like, it's going badly now. But you can't just crap on the twenty three class. I mean, when he went out there, he held Caleb Glenn, who was a holdover. He got Curtis Williams, who I think we saw firsthand is probably going to be a good player. Um, Tyler Johnson is is a four star kid. He was lowly ranked, but still a four star kid. So it's not a you know, it is what it is. Like he, he's gotten he 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 had a good recruiting class for sure in his first full year of, of getting it yeah. done. Now twenty four looks
1: bad. But. And the and the twenty one class was seventeenth. I mean, and that was a class that had Rose Wheeler, Mike James, L. Ellis, and Cindy Curry. Yeah,
0: I was trying to think of the other guy in our class this year. And I, was, I was like, oh yeah, it's Karan Davis, <laughs> who looked rough on on Wednesday. Yeah, hopefully just a a blip. Texas, I wouldn't let my kid play for Kenny Payne and his coaching staff. It's that simple. Okay, well, yeah, well, there you go. I mean, it's on Payne to to rectify that. If you've got people out there, you know, he was saying he was shocked that people were negative recruiting against him, which I I still can't believe that he would be shocked at that. As somebody who's been that deep in recruiting circles for a long time, I mean, of course, yeah. I mean, if you have an advantage, if you can say you can go to that program, but they can't guarantee that they're going to be eligible
1: for the NCAA tournament when you're there as a freshman, you say that. like Like, You you do that. Negative recruiting is just a thing. Like, everyone does it. So for him to say that he was surprised by it, considering how – of a recruiter, he was in Kentucky? Me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how could you not expect that? And now I, I'm sure that you've got opposing
0: coaches who are saying, like, you can go there, but look, the guy won four games. There. He, he doesn't know what he's doing. Every, right. Every good player is transferring, all that stuff. Like, it's on you to overcome that one. You couldn't do anything about the NCAA stuff. You were you were at the mercy of the NCAA for your first 18 months here. I get that. You can do a whole lot to overcome the the current negative recruiting narrative, and that's just, just going to take – winning some games mm-hmm. speaking of odd rules and stuff that's out there what's your take real quickly before we go back to the text line the michigan sign stealing stuff <laughs> is a nutso story to me like I, we didn't talk about it yesterday i think it's bizarre that you can steal signs in games and that's totally above like mm-hmm. like what's the line between trying to find any edge you can to win and actual cheating is so blurred in college football mm-hmm. i mean I was shocked, and and still do kind of remain shocked. The Wakey Leaks thing, I think to me is just is is funny. The fact that like all these people are like, I can't believe that they took the plays that the guy gave them. Well, yeah, of course. Like yeah. we and again, we weren't the only school that was doing this. If you have a guy come to you from the other side and be like, "Hey, here's what we're going to run," of course you're not going to be like, "La la la, plugging my ears, plugging my ears, don't want to hear it." And if he hands you some plays, yeah, you're going to take them. Like I think that that's so silly. Now, this is a little bit different where Michigan is hiring right. guys to, to go to games and steal signs like that when Michigan's not involved in the actual game. Like yeah. That's a, a little bit fun.
1: Yeah, this situation's a lot more cut and dry, and there's no the, the lines aren't as blurred because, I mean, yeah, when you're trying to actively steal signs against your opponent while you're actively facing them in the game, I mean, that's just gamesmanship right there. When you've got guys on your staff going to— two games which you're not involved in with the sole intent of just scouting them that is different that's been outlawed by the ncaa for almost three decades now that that you can't do that's cheating no matter how you slice it and call it scouting call it whatever you you want it's still by the letter of the law you can't do that so there's that
0: i i do think it's weird that like they sign stealing in baseball is such a big deal and in football it's like no this is, this is fine you can mm-hmm. do it i mean we had there was a one of the be- the best posts that we ever had on card chronicle was a group of former student managers who like who were friends with art carmody they were it actually was the the, the precursor of the bobby Petrino stories of his hatred against uk That was the, those same guys told the same stories where it was like he called them slap which is how that, that yeah. going. but they also told the story about how in the blackout west virginia game in 06 you know there he's like i was tasked with like being up in the booth trying to to pick up on tendencies from their signs from the sidelines and he's like i found one i relayed it to the coaching staff i was right we ended up calling like the perfect blitz and like and, and like blew up the play and he's like it was like you know i did something to help the team it felt really really cool and, and like that's been a thing for years but now like this is a this is a different level and and, and now you have little things like the the Shiano halftime interview has been unearthed where he's like <laughs> He Keeps making some reference to things that are going on that are not right, and we've got to get this figured out. And I mean, Jim Harbaugh
1: just can't keep himself out of trouble, it seems like, or like semi trouble, right? Well, apparently, I saw someone say either yesterday or earlier today that what Shiano was actually refer- uh, referencing was how the game was being officiated. And not oh, really? How he was trying not trying to insinuate that Michigan uh, was doing something. So I, I, which, it sure it, seemed like it was a, uh, yeah, the, it the way that he seems like it, things, but I mean, like when you just that clip up with not really much additional context other than like oh Michigan's doing something shady yeah. over there it's it's easy to try and put sure. like connect a to B
0: Texas is looking at how Dennis Evans wears his goggles hurt your ears no how
1: do, how do they not
0: get fogged up that's what I Dennis want can know. do no wrong then because den, like, Dennis is a, he's a machine he, he's he's the next Wemby he's <laughs> he can do no wrong I think it is the, the thing that I love the most about Dennis is how the goggles make his eyes look. Like it always looks like he's making a funny face. Just mm-hmm. and he's looking normally. And if he takes the goggles off, I'm sure his eyes just look. But like he, it's like, why he, he, he doesn't miss in pictures. He always looks hilarious. I, I love him so much, Big D, baby. I really just want him to be my friend. Texas. I assume that Big Red dropping back to pass looks a lot like Jared Lorenzen <laughs> dropping back to pass, but in a different color. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, text it's All right. Quality. Apparently, Jared's son is like now. He's a freshman who's getting a little bit of clock at quarterback for. Um, for Highlands, really, know? and apparently he's like a, a super talented kid, so hmm. something to keep an eye on. Good for him. Don't think we have much of a shot to land him, but because Jared was not a big fan of UFL, no, he was not. Who knows? Texas says um, bump getting five stars. What four or even three stars is KP on in on? We kind of just told you that. none. I mean, yeah, pretty much. It's going poorly. Like, I, and it'd be one thing if like with football. Recruiting is not going as well as I know a lot of fans would like. We're 13th out of 14 teams in the ACC as of right now. We'll see if they can bump that up as time goes on. But I do think, I mean, the plan for the staff is, is to just kill it in the portal again.
1: I, yeah. I feel confident, confident in saying that. And they did it last year. And plus, with football, some of those relationships take a little bit longer to develop for some reason than basketball. I don't know why that is. And plus, I don't think a lot of people really know this, but the The reason that we haven't really heard much out of the current class is because it's almost it's pretty much full at this point. Yeah, I went looking at the uh, the scholarship numbers, and there's only like somewhere in the mid teens is the amount of players that Louisville is expected to graduate, which is kind of where what they are now in their current high school class. So the reason they haven't really been after many other twenty four kids, save for the Tavian Galloway kid who ended up committing it to Purdue, is that they don't really have the space for any yeah. right now. But the difference with basketball
0: is you'd like to be able to say the same thing where like, yeah. hey, they're going live, but the, the portal's out there. That's how teams are, are thriving right now. I mean, we know that Kenny Payne doesn't want to really do that because he said, I don't really want to do that. And he hasn't done it in the last two years. Mm-hmm. So it, it feels a little bit different seeing the recruiting numbers on basketball uh, compared with, with what we're seeing with, with football. Texas says, that jolt of hearing your text read on air is rivaled only by Trevor's lettuce on a Friday night. <laughs> it's a rush. It, it, it's a rush for sure. Texas, Mike, one way that you can avoid annoying sounds coming through the open window at the station is to not take giant dumps at work so that you have to open the window. <sighs> Scoots. <laughs> Scoots just revealed to everybody yesterday on the KRC that I was pooping after the show. <laughs> Sometimes I got to poop. Sometimes nature calls. Sometimes it happens. I, I did. Um, it wasn't that bad either. And it, you can't smell it in this room. It wouldn't waft all the way from the bathroom over here. It's just too hot here. We turned the heat on like, I mean, we're still team holdout at the Rutherford house. We have not turned our heat on. It hasn't gotten quite that cold in our house just yet. But here they did it like three weeks ago. And it's it's burning up on days. Have you guys turned the heat on yet?
1: No, I, I'm holding out. I'm someone who can kinda of hold out until it gets kinda of cold. So I've been I've had the the AC turn completely off just to kind of save money on LGE. Yeah. But like I probably won't need to actually turn the heat on until maybe November.
0: Love to make it to November.
1: That's the goal. If it gets too
0: bad, I'm not I'm not above it. Yeah. My wife will complain too much, but we have not, thankfully, had to do it yet. We'll see how next week goes. Uh, Texture says, Mike, we asked this question. I asked this question yesterday about the biggest what-if in Louisville basketball history. Same question today, except on the football side of things. I think it's got to be Mike Bush and the leg. I think there are several different options. I think I think the, the biggest one has to be something to do with 06. Yeah. If you want to say Mike Bush not breaking his leg, sure. If you want to just take it as far as to say Louisville doesn't blow the lead in the second half against Rutgers, I think that also would suffice, but it's got to be you know, there are others out there, but I think that those are something about 2006. That's the closest Louisville has come to like realistically playing for a national championship. And I mean, look, we're number 3 when we lose to Rutgers. Like mm-hmm. it's and, and number 1 and number 2 are playing each other. It's not this this crazy pipe dream where all these these things had to happen. You know, go 12 and 0, we're probably although I still have my doubts, but probably going to play for the national championship. And if Bush is healthy, do I think we go 12 and 0? Yeah. If if Jeremy Edel misses that field goal, or they don't throw the flag for the offsides, do mm-hmm. I think we could win an overtime? Maybe, but man, twelve and zero—that that that has to be the biggest whatever. I mean, you can say Kerry Rose dropping the interception against Miami in '04. James Quick first down. James Quick first down. Yeah, I mean, if you if we beat Clemson, does the season fall apart the way that it did at the end there in, right. in 2016? Um, I'm sure there's some others. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, if you wanted to go go so far as to be like, Lamar coming back in 2017. <laughs> uh, I mean, if Petrino doesn't leave the first time, if Schellenberger doesn't leave for Oklahoma when we go to Conference USA, like there's there's stuff out there. But I, I think that number one has to be either what you said or just the simple, like, if we beat Rutgers, yeah. what if. Texture says, everyone is focused on Jerome Tang, but I don't hear anything about Danny Hurley. Does he have a ridiculous buyout? Surely he can recruit easier to Louisville than stores, Connecticut. I don't think Danny Hurley is leaving. No, Danny Hurley's not leaving. A well-oiled machine for a very real project
1: in Louisville. Yeah. I think if 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 things do get to that point and Josh Hurd does decide to pull the plug, I think one A and one B, Jerome Tang, Dusty May. I think that those are the first two guys you have to call.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, you can, I, you can
1: kick the tires on some other guys that maybe weren't.
0: Willing to listen when we still have the NCA stuff going on, yeah. and, and I think they will, and maybe some guys who were somewhat interested the last go round would be more interested this go round. I, I, I want to see, I want to see a follow up act from both those guys though. Mm-hmm. Like, like May, I think May definitely he's got the tutelage, he's got the pedigree. He, he comes from a, a basketball family. His dad's the AD at Duke. Um, he coached, I mean, his. Uh, he, his, his former mentor's dad is the AD at Duke. He, right. he coached under Mike White for a long time, who is having some struggles now as a head coach. But still, like they've, they coach at big-time programs. They've had success everywhere they've gone. I, I do think the challenges at Louisville are extremely different than the challenges at FAU. But he returns basically his entire team from last year. Yeah, And if they can have similar success, I think you, you say, like this guy's got the goods from a coaching standpoint. We can figure out the rest as, as time goes on. With Jerome Tang, I mean... He's essentially in the same situation he was a year ago, where they revamped the roster through the portal. He had a lot of success last year when people didn't think he was going to. I want to see him do it again. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that he's his accolades and what he was able to do at Baylor to really help mold the identity of that program and take it from being like terrible at first to we get great one and dones but we don't really have a great culture. To like we're defensive beasts and we just outwork everybody, and, and we're one of the best teams in the program in, in the country every single year. Like, he has a lot to do with that. I, I still, mean, you know, I think you have to have more than one really good season as a head coach to, to to buy into him. And I know yesterday I was like, we had this, he came up again yesterday, and I was like, you can't hire a coach off of one good season. And then I was like, well, we hired a coach who had never been a coach, so maybe I shouldn't say <laughs> yeah, this yeah. Times have changed over the last 18 months, but, yeah, I, I think those guys would be out there. But there, I think there would be a number of names that you would have more of a shot with now than you did. Two years ago. Text says, this is KRC text. Scoot, I got a laugh out of your net hang up on roll call. Sounds like my wife. She's also a Hoosier and had a gravel driveway. Just go blue chips style with the chain net. Uh, somebody also said, I, I, guess, what? I guess Scoot's mic wasn't working during KRC at the, uh, first, at the beginning of the show. And so TJ was just talking to himself. And they, they said, could you guys do a KRC where you just talk to yourself completely solo for two hours? I had to do it so – usually, even when it's, like, just my show, I've got Trevor or, you know, I'll, I'll bounce things off Gary when he's here or mm-hmm. I'll bring you into co-hosts, like, because I can't do it. I have been in that position before where there was one time on, the like, Ramsey and Rutherford where John was out, and usually, I mean, we always at 790 had producers who just did not know much about sports. Mm-hmm. But they would be willing to talk with you. Like, like, we did a cool thing with Elliot who actually still lives on my street – where he knew nothing about sports, but we would play a game where the caller would call in and have to guess if Elliot knew a really basic sports question. Like like how many like, like you know, how many points is a touchdown? Worth?
1: Was it that bad?
0: He, he he's not a sports guy, he's a music guy. Oh okay. And that was a lot of the producers at KRC at, at, at seven ninety at KRD. And there was one guy there was one time where John was out and we had a fill in producer who I didn't know, who was like just like an intern, and he just was not gonna talk on, on the radio. So it was very much me for three hours, oh, just no. talking, and it was the longest three hours of all time. Jeez. Like three hours solo is, is a lot. And I like we weren't, it was middle of the summer, so like we weren't getting calls. Like I couldn't use like we didn't have a text line over there. The it dog was, days of summer. It was. I, I very much was just like pulling out like printed off like list of like, <laughs> like ten facts about Fourth of July that you may not have known. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's see how slowly I can read this and just try to limp to the finish line here. Texter says, What's the biggest, uh, what's the big X college football parlay of the week? We're going to get there. Next segment. We're going to make that happen. Texter says, Mike, I'm not bl- blaming you for slavery. Thank you. <laughs> but if you want to throw us some reparations
1: my way, I won't be opposed.
10: <laughs> what? Thank you for
1: what? that. What? I need some context here, Texter. I think
0: he's referring to the all the, the, the Rutherford athletes that are out there and me making Uh-oh. reference to the fact that they. Don't look like me. Except for the one who plays for the Nationals. Oh,
1: my God.
0: Texas Mike saying he just wants Devin, Dennis Evans to be his friend is how I feel about tre- Trevor. I miss you, big guy. We all miss Trevor. Uh, Texas says, uh, another big what if. The UCF blown lead in 2013.
1: Oh, yeah. It's a yeah. good one. That's It's not up there because I, I don't think with whole well, we'll schedule that they probably weren't going to end up playing for a National title if they went 12-0. and They weren't. But... My big that's a big
0: what if for me is if that 2013 team played a better schedule because I think UCF was the only good team they played and they had them dead to rights. They're up 35-14 and got beat 38-35, and that did it. it Sucked because it cost us the opportunity to play in a at least in a BCS game Mm -hmm. against a quality opponent, and we just you know we kind of were just like doing going through the motions for the rest of the year. I think to this day, I'm not gonna say it's the best Louisville team of all time. I think 2013 is the most talented team of all time. And I would have loved to have seen them go up against at least a couple of really good teams during that season because I think they would have stepped up. And the annoying thing about 2013 is you saw Charlie just like let Teddy rip against Miami in the bowl game. Yeah. And you saw what that offense could have been. And for most of the year, it was like we're beating Memphis 24 to 17 and Houston 20 to 13. And it was just. You know, we're playing this just such boring style of of football against these not great teams. And we would get, do you remember, like, we would get teased by UCF every week because we we needed them to lose twice to win the conference. And they would, like, I I remember vividly listening to their game against Temple in my car while we were tailgating. And it was like a fourth down play. It was like, and they just like threw it up, and this UCF kid makes like a one handed catch to like keep their game alive. Yeah, I remember. And then that. they win. And like when, by the time we went, I think it was the game against Houston or Memphis that night. Like by the time we went into our game, it felt like we'd already lost because we we knew we, yeah. it was we weren't gonna win the conference and we we're gonna play in a crap bowl game. And yeah. That's what
1: happened? And another one. What if twenty twelve doesn't get their doors blown off by Syracuse? Yeah. I mean, I think the schedule not still not great, but probably a tick better than. 2013. We lost to UConn the next week too, that's triple true. overtime. Oh yeah, that's that's very true. That no, I mean, you you want to talk about like a good what if?
0: We narrowly avoided having a 2016 s collapse because we you know we were nine and zero. We got blown out by Ryan Nassib and Syracuse. We lose in triple overtime to UConn, and then we need a one armed, one leg Teddy Bridgewater to come in and save the day against Rutgers. If we lose that game. We, we go from 9-0 and to 9-3, and and we're once again playing in a crap bowl game. We never even get a shot at Florida yeah. and the biggest win in program history or any of that stuff. So, like, that was – the UConn one was a disaster because that was the same day that we lost to Duke in the Battle for Atlanta's title game, and we found out that Gordy got hurt. And like, that was very much, like, back in the day, like a woe is me. Like, that's when I thought things were bad. Like, oh, we lost a tournament championship game to one of the best teams in the country because our starting center was hurt, and we lost a football game in triple overtime to drop us to 9-2. and I want to smack 2012 Mike and be like, you can't, you can't <laughs> complain about this stuff. Let me tell you what's going to happen in the next 10 years. Some not-so-cool stuff. Yeah, you just wait. My texter says, uh, what coaches are going to get raises come April because of a possible search? If you just, if schools just avoid the, like, I was screaming it from the rooftop. I wrote about it. I wrote about it. I talked about it. Like, the Bruce Pearl thing was the most obvious thing in the entire world. Louisville was not going to hire Bruce Pearl. And he puts the story out to his right-hand man. He puts, you know, every coach has somebody that they kind of use when they want something out there. I think right now with, with Kenny Payne, you see Rick Bozich, He has the you know. inside scoop. If Kenny Payne wanted something out, he would go to, to to Rick Bozich. Bruce Pearl went to his Rick Bozich to write this story about, hey, Louisville is, is interested in in Bruce Pearl. And, and sure enough, like, he gets himself a raise. All you had to do was see through the BS. And you knew that like, he wasn't going to get a job. I, I think you saw... Who else? Like, like Ed Cooley was good at that in years before. I do think that there was mutual interest between Louisville and Ed Cooley. Yeah. Um, I, I think that was very real. I think he was on the short list of candidates. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, if Kenny Payne does get fired after this year, I would hope that we would have a target that we feel good about and that we would go out and not have these reports swirling about Louisville and mutual interest and mm-hmm. we can make it happen really quickly. But maybe some guys will get paid. Who knows? It happens all the time. Texas, totally random, but the Teddy Knight game at Cincinnati is my favorite game that I've ever attended. We went to the at Notre Dame game two, and I'd still choose the Cincy game. It was surreal and glorious. That was the last game of, of 2013. That was that team. Yeah. And that was, like, that was the – that whole season had felt so just blah because after the UCF game. Because, mm-hmm. again, we were playing bad teams, and we were beating them in, in, in two close games. That was the one game where it was just like, all right, this is how I thought this whole season was going to feel. We you know, we – we go up there. Cincinnati was pretty good. Teddy has the crazy fourth down run. He has the crazy throw to the end zone. Like that was a that was an awesome game. And it it did feel cool too because we knew that we were, we were off to greener pastures. We were leaving Cincinnati behind. It was the last battle for the um, for the keg of nails for the foreseeable future. Like that was a cool moment in 2013. Still would have played. Rather played better teams. Yeah, no kidding. Whatever. But I I will always be indebted to that team for if you remember. <laughs> The Miami Bowl game was on the same day There's as the, the UK, UK U- basketball game. I
1: remember them playing that in the tailgate area, so, like the fan area, what that the bowl had going on. Like they had that on those giant, like, like hundred-inch screen. It was. It was pretty crazy. So we lose the basketball game, and we all immediately get to do the whole, like, well, the bowl game's more
0: important thing here, when, when the, the reality was, I think going into the game, a lot of people wanted to win the, the basketball game more.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: but we we, we we at least got to act like we didn't care. Like, I'm, I'm watching Teddy. Le, leave me alone, UK fans. Stop talking to me. All right, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, we will make our Big X Big Bet to the weekend. We will then look ahead to the weekend that we'll be in college football. It's Mike Rutherford Show. We'll wrap it up next here on 1450 and 96.1 Big X.
6: Mayor Jeff Gahan here. New Albany is doing better than ever. I am so excited about the future of our river city. From new parks and trails along the shoreline to public safety improvements like the new police station and firehouses, we are moving New Albany forward in more ways than one. Best of all, we've accomplished this with balanced budgets, an A-plus financial rating, and no new taxes. But I need your help to keep this momentum going. This November, I'm asking for your support by voting Jeff Gahan for Mayor so we can keep New Albany moving forward. You can learn more and find a time and place to vote at gahanformayor.com.
7: Paid for by committee to elect Gahan for mayor, Abigail Gardner, treasurer.
0: Hey, Cards fans. Compete at a higher level with an MBA from the University of Louisville. This innovative 13-month program accelerates your career growth with convenient in-person evening classes and networking with your classmates that are like-minded professionals. Competitive 11-month paid internship opportunities provide you with industry experience like no other. It's like getting paid to earn your MBA. Get started today and earn your MBA in just 13 months. For more information, visit business.louisville.edu backslash MBA.
4: Where does everyone come together to cheer as one, to build traditions, to show pride? High school sports. I'm Robert Falkins.
9: And I'm Janie Ulmer. We're both assistant commissioners of the Indiana High School Athletic Association. And we love how high school sports play a key role in the life of every member of a school community.
4: That's because high school sports are a special place where everyone shows up to have the teams back.
9: It's amazing to see the whole community, students and parents, coaches and teachers, come together at the school to cheer on their student athletes.
4: Celebrating high school sports unites us all, and that experience is essential to the pride and passion of an entire community.
9: Be a champion of high school sports by buying a ticket to your high school's athletic events.
8: This is unity. This is pride. This is your IHSAA.
4: John Spears for MM Cartage. You see those trucks riding down the road with the MM Cartage sign? You could be a driver or work as a mechanic on one of those trucks for 45 years. MM Cartage has been a locally family owned transportation company, and they're currently hiring those drivers and mechanics. To join their team, go online to mmcartage.com to apply. Headquartered in Louisville with locations in Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Morristown, Tennessee, and Detroit. That's mmcartage.com to apply. Rooster's a fun casual joint. Join us at Roosters every Monday, all day, for the Boneless Wing Special, only 79 cents each. Roosters has salads, wings, sandwiches, pizzas, and all of your favorite adult beverages. Roosters has a great family atmosphere, fun for the whole family. Roosters has TVs everywhere, so you can watch your favorite team. Roosters on Dixie Highway, Preston Highway, Burn Creek, Shelbyville
3: Road, and Springhurst. Kratz Sporting Goods is Southern Indiana's team sports specialist and is your local Adidas team product dealer. Kratz specializes in outfitting your team, organization, club, or business in apparel, hard goods, and accessories from Adidas and many others. Kratz offers fundraising opportunities for your team, organization, or club through online web stores. Let our friendly staff get you started today by calling
7: 812-282-5400 or visit and shop at our website at krattsports.com. Until about 10 years ago for any electrical work I needed at my house, I was always calling a different electrician, sometimes for the same job. Things weren't done right and they weren't done on time, but for the last 10 years, Allen Electrical has been the only one I call. The work is unparalleled, it's prompts, the team's the epitome of professionalism. (laughs) You know, when I see an Allen Electrical truck in a neighbor's driveway, I kind of smile because I know they're getting the best. Allen Electrical, your electrician for life. Visit allenelectrical.com. They'll
8: never leave you in the dark.
0: I can't hear it and not think of Chris Farley. Every single time, I will think of Chris Farley from now until the day I die. It's a great song. It's catchy. Gets me ready for the weekend. But I'll think of a scantily clad, clad Chris Farley just dancing to a Chippendales.
3: You
1: know, I wasn't thinking about it until you brought it up.
0: Now I, I can't. I, I think about it every single time. It's a great skit. It's, it's one of the best. It's, it's awesome. Uh, this is the last segment of the week for the Mike Rutherford Show here on uh, 1450 and 961, The Big X. Thanks uh, to Matt McGavick spending some time with us here on a Friday in studio. It's been great. Thanks
1: for inviting me. Of course.
0: Uh, we're going to do – I have not gotten – this is going to be a shocker that Trevor has said he was going to do something that he did not wind up doing. <laughs> I was supposed to get his Big X Big Bet to the weekend before we did the segment. He has not sent them in. So we have, we don't have Trevor's picks yet. I will post them on Twitter or X, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, when, when I do get I them on Twitter, I do too. I mean, it, it, we're just towering it. His we're, mama called him Twitter. I'm gonna call him Twitter. I refuse to not, you know, it, it's the, it's the Mercer tower. It's the Sears tower. It's Twitter for God's sake. We're not changing names, <laughs> but I I, 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 I even hate when I have to read it when somebody is like on X, formerly known as Twitter. I'm like, how much did you hate writing that? Like, I, I, I wouldn't do it. Yep. But whenever we do get Trevor's picks, I'll, I'll make sure that I post his and mine on, on, on Twitter. Man, have you looked at the board at all this weekend? Does anything stand out to you? I'll, I'll give you a shot to make any a uh, bets or
1: a big X, big bet, like straight up spread. What are we talking to? Whatever you want, whatever you look at. Um, I mean, I'd, I'd hate to dive right into the biggest matchup of the week, but you know, a lot of people like Ohio State in their matchup with Penn State at home. I think I, I like Penn State straight up here. Right, I've right. I've been more impressed with Penn State's defense than. than any, then Ohio State's defense, I mean, Ohio State's offense has had kind of ebbs and flows. I mean, Penn State's not been perfect on offense, but Drew Auer looks really good. I, I, I'm not sure what the spread is in this game, but... I think I'm, Ohio State, like, three and a half. Is it? I mean, It's I'm, tight. Yeah, I mean, I'd like not only Penn State to cover, i like them to win out, right? All right, we'll, we'll make some picks there. I like that. That's a little three and a half pick. I, I'll give you mine. And, and look,
0: if you've listened to the Big X Big Bet segment the last three weeks, you made some money. I am, you know, we have all these other sponsored gambling segments across all these other radio shows and websites. Someone needs to sponsor this one because I'm 8-1, and, and I'm 6-0 mm. the last two weeks. I've given you, all I do is give you winners. If you are a gambling company that loves this show and is willing to spend $350,000 to sponsor a segment, we want to talk to you. We want you. We want your $350,000 <laughs> to get the people paid. Here's what I'm going with this week, and I I feel confident about two of these picks. The third one, I'm a little bit. I'm a, a little bit iffy on, but I'm saying it, so it's going to be a like a, a lock. First one, I'm going with an under. I've given you two two overs the last two weeks. I'm giving you an under. UNC UVA is going to go under fifty-seven and a half points. UVA has been woeful this year. Mm-hmm. UNC, everyone thinks big offense with Drake May. They have not. Their games have not been hitting overs. I feel like UVA is not gonna. It's just gonna kind of lay down here. The last okay, here's here's the stat. This is what put me over the edge. Dating back to 2021, there have been 5 games where a 6-0 team has met either a 1 and 5 or an 0 and 6 opponent. None of the favorites have covered. All 5 of the games went under. Really. I think it's incredible. I think UNC wins. I don't think they look great and I don't think that the the the, the total point hits over 57 and a half. That's that's one. Number 2. I've had a lot of success with the Sun Belt. Love the fun Belt. <laughs> Trevor Trevor swings at CUSA all the time. He swings and misses. He's one of ten on CUSA belts bets. I've given you three Sun Belt games. I've given you three Sun Belt winners. I'm about to give you number four. Eight o'clock ESPNU on Saturday. Georgia State five and one, two and one in the league is on the road taking on Louisiana who is four and 4-2 and 1-1 one one in, in the Sun Belt. The Raging Cajuns are a 3.5-point home favorite. Georgia State's going to win this game straight up. For the pick's sake, I'm going to say Georgia State plus 3.5. Give myself a That's little right. bit of leeway. But I do think that Georgia State is going to win this game straight up. They're going to do it for Jamari Thrash. They're, they're, they're going <laughs> to be terrific in this game. I, I, I think this is a great spot for them. I think they win straight up. And I think they win relatively handily. No, I can see that. Third pick, I'm torn between two games. I'm gonna go with this one. Duke is, depending on where you're looking, either a 14 and a half or a 14 point underdog from where from where I'm looking. I think if you get either one of those numbers, go with Duke to cover. Absolutely. I think Duke's good. I, I think Florida State's good. I'm not just you know not, not crapping on Mike Norvell, but I think FSU. They, I mean, they like to play with their food. They're a little bit susceptible this week. I, 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 you know, I don't like that it's in Tallahassee, but Duke has shown like you know they're not really afraid of the big time atmosphere. Um, you know, the, you know their, their two biggest games so far this season have both been at home. But mm-hmm. I trust Mike Elko. I do think he's got the goods. If you know, we, you know, Riley Leonard, if he's not one hundred percent, we saw the backup play really well against NC State last week. Yeah. I think it's going to be a game that you know I, I think FSU is going to win, but I do think Duke covers the fourteen or the 14 and a half. The other game that is not part of the picks, I, I did this last week with NC State Duke, and I'm glad that it's not part of the picks because that was a t- total swing and a miss. But Minnesota plus three and a half stands out to me against Iowa. Iowa's starting to get all this bizarro, creepy playoff talk about you know, they, they score 21 no. points a game. But th- th- the worst thing for college football would be if they went 12-1 and one and somehow snuck into the college football playoff. I, I think it ends this weekend. Minnesota's a three and a half point dog. I'm going to say take Minnesota. Really? Three and a hmm. half. I think they can win straight up. I think PJ Fleck. This is his big game spot. I think Iowa. They've been flirting with it for too long. Like you, you, this is not a sustainable method of winning football games. You, you can't. It can't just be punt, 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 punt. Crazy pick six. Punt, 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 punt. One big play. Like, it, it's not going to work. Eventually, it's going to bite him in the ass. I think it bites him in the ass this week.
1: Brian Ferentz has hold my beer. <sighs> he does, but come on.
0: All right. Uh, so th- those are the three Big X big bets. Georgia State covering three and a half on the road against Louisiana. Duke covering 14 and a half, or 14 on the road against Florida State. And then the UNC UVA total going under 57 and a half points. I'll post those on Twitter. We'll get Trevor's picks. He, he makes, he's gone with the NFL. I'm assuming he's going to stick with the NFL this week after his own three college football start. I'll post them on Twitter whenever we get those. All right. The pick'em segment. Last week, Trevor has been leading for most of the year. He was up by two going into last week. We differed on, I think, five games, uh, whatever it was, four games. I won three of them. He only won one of them. He went three and seven overall. I went six and four. Not a great week for me, but enough to overtake TK. I now lead by one game going into this week. We will get his picks, but Matt McGavick's going to sub in for him and give his picks. First of all, we start with uh, what you guys voted the high school game of the week. It is a rematch of last year's 6A state championship game. Bullet East is on the road. Taking on the male Bulldogs, who have looked very, very good uh, in
1: recent weeks, Matt McGavick, give us a pick here. I hate to pick male, but I'm going to pick male. It hurts your whole soul a little bit. Yeah, I'm a manual grad. I know it hurts my soul. It, it hurts me deeply, yeah. Mister Rutherford. I know that's what I'm saying. manuals
0: Man, 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 had a great year as well. Yeah. Beat Sand X. I I know they. You know have they? They're a live shot against male coming up in a few weeks, but I think male wins this game. Bullet East has only played one really quality. I mean, their only lost to PRP, who's not great. So, yeah. um, bullet East was a magic season last year. I think they're they're good again this season, but I think Mail gets it done. They're the best team in 6A as it stands right now. Sorry, Matt. I know. We'll look ahead to uh, – well, I mean, Trinity playing really well since they got the freshman quarterback in there too. True. But, yeah. Whose dad used to be the Wagner coach. Hmm. It's the best thing that's happened to Wagner football in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll look for, uh, ahead to Saturday. Typically, we pick the – the three local games we do are the, the four local games. We pick Louisville last. We do uh, UK, Western Kentucky, and Indiana. Bit of a, a weird weekend where like, Indiana's the only team playing. Western played on, on Tuesday night. UK's off, and, and, and we're off. So we will start with the Indiana Rutgers game, which you can hear right here
12: <laughs> on your home for
0: Indiana football. 1450, the Big X. It is sicko football. If you want to listen to it, only one place to go. It's uh, 1450 and 961. The Big X, if you want to watch it on TV, though, noon kickoff on Big Ten Network. Rutgers on the road in Bloomington. Despite that, Rutgers is a six-point road favorite, which is a smack in the absolute face of Indiana. Matt McGavick, what has happened to Tom Allen? What has happened to these Hoosiers? Can they write the ship this weekend against the Scarlet Knights?
1: They cannot write the ship. Not only, will they, <laughs> not only will they fall to Rutgers, I think Rutgers covers outright. I mean, Indiana's been bad. The f- how Louisville barely scraped out a win against the Hoosiers, I have no clue because Indiana's just not a grub. It looked worse and worse as time has gone on. Yeah,
0: like I, I was kind of thinking, you know, Indiana had the impressive defensive performance in Week One against Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, they they put their defense played great against us in the second half. I'm like, this, you know, they may end up being a bowl team, and then yeah. they get blasted the next week by whoever it was from the. Oh, it was the Akron game. They they yeah uh, had to go to like, triple overtime to win that one, and they've been just downright bad since then. 0 and three in the Big Ten. I don't think it changes this weekend. I think Rutgers wins. uh I'm going to say Indiana covers. I think, I think it's, it's relatively close. Rutgers wins a gross, I don't know, 9-6 to six game, something like Ugh, that. Something, that's, that's, that's true, Sicko. Something weird. Right or, or like 25-22. Give me, give me an oddball score in this one. It only feels <laughs> right. All right, we'll go to, to much better, bigger and better games. The other weird thing about this game about this weekend is the best game is at noon on Fox. It's Big Nude Saturday. We'll pick that last. But we do have uh, at 3.30 on CBS the classic SEC time slot. Tennessee number 17 in the country on the road taking on Alabama who is number 11 in the country uh, despite the slow start. Alabama kind of you know yeah. returning to norm 6 and 1 overall 4-0 oh in the SEC. They're a 9 point favorite here. Any hope of Tennessee which has been very up and down this season pulling the road upset in Tuscaloosa? I don't
1: think Tennessee pulls off the upset. I'm not completely bought back in with Alabama because they they only beat Texas A&M Twenty by six, and they only beat Arkansas by three. They had to hold off Arkansas. Yeah, the Razorbacks like nearly went into Bryant Denny and pulled off the upset. So, well, I, I think I think Alabama should win, but I like Tennessee to cover, especially with what was it, a nine nine points spread. Yeah, no, I like Tennessee here. I, I mean, I,
0: I I would agree with you if I thought that Tennessee was better. Tennessee just they haven't been overly impressive at all this season. They beat the same A and M team that we're talking about by just seven last week. They got the ugly loss to Florida. They haven't played anybody else of any real consequence. I think that you've got an angry Nick Saban who very much remembers what happens last. What happened last year, You're losing to them, storming the field, hearing about it for the entire offseason. I, I I don't think Bama's good enough to go out there and do the old-school Crimson Tide revenge thing where they, they right. just win by 40. I do think they win. I'm going to say they slightly cover like 27-17 where it's just like, you know, they, they, they look good. They want to beat Tennessee as badly as they can, but they're just not Good enough, especially on offense, to make it happen. But I'll right. say they win, and, and they get the slight cover. Uh, we've got uh, all, another big game in the SEC going on at seven o'clock on ESPN. Ole Miss is on the road taking on Auburn. Ole Miss, also another one of those one-loss SEC teams. Auburn has been disappointing this season, three and three overall, zero and three in the conference. Ole Miss is a six and a half point road
1: favorite at Jordan Hare. It's a, a rarity to say something like that. Mm-hmm. Who wins this one? I'm gonna go with the upset special here. I think Auburn pulls it off because it's really hard to go into Jordan Hare and win. I mean, Georgia nearly lost to this Auburn team. And I think it, they barely snapped. I mean, what was it? I think Auburn had a streak of four straight home wins over AP mm-hmm. number one ranked teams or something like that, which is absolutely absurd to think about. But yeah, I I do I do like Ole Miss, but Auburn is like just good enough that I think when you add them plus the home environment. It's too much for me personally to overcome. This feels like a dangerous spot for Ole Miss.
0: My only concern here is the Auburn offense has just not, not figured it out. No, yeah, you know, they they played LSU last week. Who that was one of the big big bets of the weekend was that over because LSU always goes over. They score a ton of points. They give up a ton of points. And Auburn did just enough to get us a, a half point over that that total. But they still, I mean, they didn't. They did not take advantage of a bad LSU defense. They lost forty eight to eighteen. If the the defense had done, if the offense had done anything against Texas A&M, they would have had a shot there. I don't know if they're – I really want – my natural inclination, my first inclination was to go with you because I think it's a bad spot. It's a classic letdown spot for Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that Auburn's defense is – or offense is good enough. I think Ole Miss goes down there. I think they, there's a shot that they maybe make it way too close, but I think eventually they're going to win. I don't feel confident about that. I'm not super confident either but it's, it's it's a lot of close games this week. Yeah. 7:30 ABC this has become like the Duke time slot. They're uh, they're on the road <laughs> taking on Florida State number 16 in the country taking on number
1: 4 in the country. We both kind of gave away our our little our, our brief thoughts on this game. Yeah. But who wins? I think Florida State wins but there I don't think there's any way that they cover that 14 point spread against Duke. I mean that's that's almost insulting to Duke. Duke is good. I think if I had to guess, I think that lofty spread is more so the uncertainty with Riley Leonard. If I had to guess, because Henry Beal in the fourth he didn't he looked eh, okay, and Florida State does have a good defense, and I don't, I just feel like the rest of Duke is just too good to be giving a fourteen point spread, regardless of who they're playing. I did too, and, and I mean,
0: you know, last week the the, the line was just three against a and at home against NC State, and I was kind of thinking, you know, this is you know, Riley Leonard's the one man show on offense. I don't know if they can do enough, and they had no problem whatsoever with the Wolfpack. They won twenty four to three. I'm with you. I don't think that if, if Leonard's not one hundred percent, I don't think they have any shot to pull the upset here. Right. But I do think that their defense will will do enough to keep them in this game, and I think the backup can be good enough that they'll be within shouting distance for most of the game, and I think they will co- cover two touchdowns. I'm um, say Florida State wins, but wins by eh, say ten. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, we've got who else is going on here? Uh, a, a big game out west. Number fourteen Utah on the road taking on number eighteen USC, which is still licking its wounds. From last week's blowout loss at the hands of Notre Dame, Caleb Williams, the Heisman, run the the quest to be the next Archie Griffin took a big hit last week in South Bend. He'll look to get back on track. Uh, Eight o'clock on Fox is the kickoff time and the TV designation. USC is a seven point favorite. Do
1: they get right in this game? No. I I to steal a line from Josh Pate heading into the Notre Dame Louisville game. The wrong team's favorite here. I mm. I that USC defense is horrible. It just absolutely atrocious. I I. How they're even six and one at this point? I have no clue. the The defense can't stop anybody, and Utah. That while they do have a loss, in their name now. I'm mean, they're they're probably the one of the best teams not named in Oregon in the Pac-12 right now. Well, not named Oregon and Washington. I should not not forget about them. But no, they they I think they're head and shoulders better than USC. Like when you look at the complete body of work, obviously you know having Caleb Williams is a huge boost. But I mean when you play. A defense that's physical, I mean, Lincoln Riley teams have been proven to kind of falter a little bit, and Utah is physical, and I think Utah not only covers but wins. I mean, my only concern here, because I I do think
0: Utah's been the better team, and they've been good on the road in the Pac-12 the last couple of years, but USC is kind of doing the Louisville thing where they're really, really good at home and really bad uh, away from home. Like the the Colorado 48-41 game was on the road. The Notre Dame debacle was on the road. They hammered Stanford to beat Colorado 56 to 10 earlier this year. They haven't really played anybody else of any consequence at home. But Utah, its only two road games so far this season have not gone great for them. They lost to Oregon State, which is understandable, 21 to 7, and then they they barely beat a bad Baylor team, 20 to 13. I'm gonna say USC gets a little bit right. I think it's a you know I, I think Caleb Williams doesn't do enough to reestablish himself as the Highland has been or anything, but I do think they win this game. But I'm almost with you. Yeah. Right. No. we've got UCF and, and uh, at Oklahoma. The Dylan Gabriel Bowl is going to go down. <laughs> uh, Oklahoma, as I mentioned earlier, six and one, kind of a surprise to me. Six uh, zero, I should say, three and zero in the Big Twelve. UCF taking its lumps in its first year in the conference. They are zero and three in Big Twelve play. They are a seventeen and a half point underdog mm. in Norman. This is a noon kickoff
1: on ABC. Who wins? Who covers? I think Oklahoma wins and covers. I mean, UCF's not having a great campaign. I watched that Red River shootout. I mean, Oklahoma's defense is legit. They This is your prototypical Brent Venwell's defense that's physical. It's going to hit you in the mouth. It's going to overwhelm you. And I just don't think UCF has the firepower, even remotely close, to be able to compete with Oklahoma. I'm going to say Oklahoma wins. I'm going to say UCF. I'm going to go with another call my shot
0: here. They, they get the half point cover. Oklahoma mm. wins this game by 17. We'll say 34-17. Yeah. I don't feel good about it. Not enough to, <laughs> to put money on it, but I'm just saying it. Uh, we've got to, also at noon, how about this? We'll do... More love for the service academies is needed on the show Air Force is number 22 in the country as uh, as Matt said the number two in the country when it comes to pro football focus is grading out they are six and0 they're on the road taking on Navy in the uh, at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium noon kickoff on CBS Air Force is a 10-point road
1: favorite who you got I think Air Force wins but I think Navy covers but I think that the other storyline you know how nationally the, a lot of people look at that Iowa Minnesota game and they're gaunting over the uh, the under there. The under in this game is 33 and a half.
0: 33 and a half.
1: That's insane. Like, 31 and a half, I think, in the Iowa game. I just, how, how can
0: anyone enjoy that type of football? I, I don't know. I don't know. i got Air Force as well. I think they go down there. I think they take care of business. Uh, they've been the dominant military academy for the last couple of years. And taking that seat from Navy. Army's good this year, too, though. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens uh, in the Commanders Cup. But I, I've got Air Force in this one. I think they win. I think they cover as well. Uh, we've got three more games here. We'll go back to the ACC. The, you know, it, it's weird to see neither one of these teams ranked for this game, which is a pretty big one when it comes to the ACC race. But Clemson is on the road taking on Miami. The two teams combined two and four in conference play. Miami is zero and two. Miami under Mario Cristobal famously has not won a conference home game, which is super bizarre. Eight o'clock, ACC, ACC network. Does that trend
1: continue? Clemson's a three-point favorite. I think it does continue. I think. I mean, both of these teams have gobs of talent, but these are probably two of the Three most talented teams in the ACC, and then you include Florida State in the mix. But I mean, i I've, I've, we've seen plenty of what Mario Cristobal can do at this point, even with the talent that he has at his disposal. I'm going to go with Clemson here to both win and cover. I get Clemson too.
0: They've, they've had their way with Miami in recent years, as they have with a lot of teams in the ACC. But Miami specifically, they've covered the spread against them the last five times they've played. Mm. Clemson wins. Clemson covers. Uh, I already kind of gave my pick away here. We got two left. Big Ten. It's gross. 330 NBC, (laughs) Iowa is number 24 in the country. They are a a 3.5-point favorite at home against Minnesota. The over-under is, I take it back, I gave them too much credit, it's 30.5. 30.5 is the over-under here. These two teams did not cover that last year. They they combined for 29 points. I like Minnesota. I think they're going to pull the upset in Kinnick Stadium. Who do you like, Matt?
1: I I actually like Iowa in this game. I mean, as horrendous as that offense is, their defense is... On the complete opposite end of the spectrum. I mean, it's really good. It's very good. Really good. And I know PJ Fleck, he's this has like upset special for him written all over it, but I don't know. That that Iowa defense is too suffocating, if you ask me. And and finally the game of the weekend in
0: college football. You can reiterate your pick here. Number seven Penn State on the road, taking on number three Ohio State. Big nude Saturday, noon on Fox. OSU's a five point favorite. You like
1: the Nittany Lions, though. I'm liking the Nittany Lions. They're, they're, they are they're have arguably the best defense in college football, and on offense, Drew Aller had a great start, for that quarterback for them. So I'm rolling with Penn State in this one. I think a lot of people like Penn State. The only thing that I'll say is under James Franklin, Penn State
0: 0-6 in road games against top ten opponents. Uh, we'll see if that tracks. I'm going to take Ohio State to win, but I'm going to take Penn State to cover. I'm going to say it's another game that Ohio State wins by three. They just keep skating by mm-hmm. on the skin of their teeth. I'm going to say they do it again. I, I don't Quarterback play has got to get better, but they've got a lot of weapons. It's going to be fun. I'm excited for a, a, a big nude Saturday. Uh, Matt, big thanks to you. You made Friday a, a lot easier. It was a lot of fun. We'll have to do it again very soon. Let's do it again, absolutely. Gary, big thanks to you as well. Always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. There we go. All right, happy Friday to everybody out there. Have a fantastic bye weekend. Do whatever you got to do. Enjoy the pumpkin patch or wherever you go. We'll see you guys back here Monday at 3 o'clock. Go Cards.
4: Only locally on Sports Talk, 1450 and 96.1 FM. The Big X Sports
12: Radio, WXVW, Jeffersonville.
3: Primetime with Tim Murray and Sean King starts now. We're
2: bringing class back
3: to primetime on the Sports Map Radio Network. It's gotta be prime, prime time. time.
4: You are looking live at Tim Murray and Super Bowl champion Sean King on ESPN Prime Time.